You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to episode 346. My name is Chris Spangle. It's so good to be back after a failed coup attempt. I swear, the the cats and jammer kids that make up the the uh, co-host stable, I, I, I'll get into it. Harry, Harry Price is here. He's been uh, exposed as a fraud by uh, Mike Trant. How you doing, folks? He'll be here in just a moment. Uh, so we'll be talking a little bit about internet censorship. We're going to give you an update and uh, talk a little bit about the Joe Rogan conversation with Twitter. And uh, if we get time after all that, we're going to talk some Mueller report and just give you some facts on what may be coming up. So very glad to be back. And we'll continue the show right after this strong warning. Warning. This show is for adults. Produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Hi, Muffins. See, it's a rare treat for Muffins. It's just jealousy. Nope, couldn't get her. I was going to put her on camera for the YouTube audience, but... Just wants to know where her Carhartt jacket's at. So, Harry brought a beautiful Carhartt jacket, and Mittens... uh, you can see on our Instagram story, Mittens just curled right up in it. Very cozy. Yeah, it is out cold in my jacket. I just got that. She? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Ex-gender. <laughs> Which, Indiana just got that. I just heard that on the radio all the what? way over here. Yeah, the, the ex on yeah. your uh, ID. So, though. Mike, when you go to renew your license, you can be, be an ex. I didn't Thank even God. know that music had finished. I didn't even know that music ended. <laughs> I just do that from now on. All my lobbying paid off. Yes. <laughs> so, Mike, Mike Trant joins us. Am I saying your last name right? Yes, exactly. Uh, all right. I've known you forever, but I don't know how to say your last name. Uh, Harry Price is here. Harry, how are you? Going good, going good. Good. Glad to see you. I have I was sick the last couple of weeks. I was uh, the Friday before two weeks ago. I went to the official 
the former official green room of We Are Libertarians, the mm-hmm. stacked pickle. Uh, so <laughs> I hadn't really eaten on Friday. And uh, if you're new to the program, by the way, we, we just chit-chat for 20 minutes and uh, we talk about whatever we want to talk about. And I timestamp everything, so if you want to get right to it, then you can. But if you want to have fun, uh, then you can keep listening now. But So I, I, didn't, I didn't really eat Friday, and I went to the gym, and mm-hmm. I was in the sauna for 20 minutes. And so I came out dehydrated and starving, and I went to the old stacked pickle. And I didn't even get out of the parking lot before my stomach started to hurt, which... <laughs> I just I just chalked up to like, hey, you ate, you didn't eat, and then you worked out, and then you ate a lot, and then your stomach's just a little you know discombobulated. So I go home, I take a shower, I was going out to meet friends, and then uh, so it's like eight eight o'clock on a on a Friday, I think it was like seven thirty, and I'm driving to this Irish bar on the east side. Um, what's it called? The Golden Ace. Hmm. And like you walk in there, it looks like something out of South Boston. It's like the the decor hasn't been changed since the nineteen fifties. It's mm-hmm. cheeseburgers are four dollars. Uh, you know, pictures of Irish politicians all over the place. It's a very cool like little bar. And I'm sitting there talking to my friend April, who is a local Republican. She's she's our age. She's beautiful, and uh, we're just chit chatting. And I go. I hate to leave you alone, but I can't stay. And she goes, oh, it's okay. I know you're not feeling well. I go, right. I run outside. I, this guy's in the way, and I like almost push him out of the way. I run around the corner, and I just hurl all over the side of this Irish bar, <laughs> which in the 85-year history of the Golden Ace, I'm not the first person to do this. Let's <laughs> what? be fair. Shocking. And these two Irishmen are just walking in laughing, having a great time laughing at my misfortune. It's a slow Tuesday for them at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Look but, who just turned 21. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it was, it was so all that food and water and everything came out. And so I'm just standing, I'm like, I feel better. Because, you know, when you hurl, you go, you go eh, I rallied, all right? It was mm-hmm. a boot and rally. And so I'm, I'm like, maybe I'll go in. I didn't get any, any on me. I don't, you know, I like... Nah, I better go home. You know, it just, just, it's probably safer. So I'm driving home and uh, it's probably about 30 minutes away and I get here and as I start to pull into the complex, I start to vagal. Now, the vagal response is when your vagus nerve shuts down because it feels that your body is under attack because of stress or pressure. And so your body just collapses so the bear doesn't eat you because it thinks you're dead. And so it's a prehistoric, uh, it's like if you're running. And then all of a sudden you throw up. It's because your vagus nerve is is under attack. So I start to pass out. And so I get I g- gain enough consciousness and sl- to slow down. And I'm like creeping along, get into my spot. I pass out. I wake up and I immediately know, uh-oh. I jump out of the car. I run inside and I hurl in the trash can. Oh, and then I was like, oh, you know, I feel great now. <laughs> But I'm going to need some electrolytes. I better go get some Gatorade. Mm-hmm. So I go to the local convenience store, and uh, I get some Gatorade, and I come home, and you know, I, down, I down like a big jar bell of red Gatorade. Okay. Oh, red Gatorade. Red mm. Gatorade. It's a bold move. Yeah. Bold move. Bold. Yes. Uh, 
soon enough I would see the red Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) The red mist. Yeah, but that was the last time. But I was so dehydrated on Saturday that I could just lay in bed. Like I literally that Friday night, I don't know what it is about throwing up. And I haven't thrown up in probably a decade. The last time I threw up was I was getting blood drawn. And I had, uh, I I hate needles. Like, I have a deathly fear of anything medical or hospitals. Like, when I was a kid, my grandpa had his leg amputated. He was in the hospital for a year. He died three times. Like, he's still alive. But I think it just, like, deep-rooted this fear in me. And so when I had to get my vaccinations, I was was woke at a young age. When I had to get my vaccinations (laughs) as a kid... It took eight nurses to hold me down at five years old. It's like, you're not going to vaccinate me, globalists. I see your birds floating around monitoring my every location. I'm tired of being social engineered. Um, but I, because I've just always had that fear. So the, the insurance uh, in 2010 needed to take a blood draw. And so they did. And I, the traveling nurse, uh, I, I, I pass out. Again, I wake up, I just projectile vomit on the nurse, on mittens, on my ex-wife, on the... It was brutal. That's the last time I've thrown up. I mean, that was probably eight years ago, maybe. Uh, So so it took it out of me. But Friday night, I was losing my mind. I was like... I was calling people going, can somebody, like, make sure that I don't die? Like, I'm... I was super depressed, too. Like, I don't know. It just took me to, like, a weird mental state just being so dehydrated and... And I, I made it through the night, and a friend came over the next day to kind of help me out, and uh, I just was – I was in a bad state. So, so I wasn't I – didn't, I didn't start feeling well. Uh, I was well enough to go to work Tuesday. Okay. But I wasn't well enough to do the show because I was done by like three that day. I was at like 75%. And fucking Jeff Oske comes to work with bronchitis or the flu. I don't know which. Mm-hmm. And my poor little immune system – goes, ooh, let's pick that up. That looks like fun. <laughs> and though, so I spent all day, I spent from Wednesday through Sunday mm-hmm. just totally done. And so I was just like, I haven't studied. I, don't, I just don't want to do the show. And so I, I needed a, another break. And I said to the guys, I said, listen, I, I'm not going to be able to do the show for a couple weeks. I'm just down and out. And, uh, you know, mentally, physically, I'm just not there uh you know so it'd be funny if you guys could do a coup episode you know make a joke out of it where you 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 know are they taking over lo and behold tuesday i get two i get two shows Mm -hmm. the lack of coordination to take (laughs) down dear leader uh hody and sarah and i think dennis or reinhold excuse me we're, we're doing one, and then they all, like, joined on low, authentic Loki wall. And so, mm-hmm. like, that's why there were two episodes last week is because they were trying to th- oust me from from my throne, and they couldn't even coordinate it. It was it, – what was that? Uh, who knows? Yeah. Don't pro- worry about probably it. Probably the neighbors Ninjas. upstairs. Very upset. Ninjas. Uh, but I, 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 was, I was just laughing when I, when I looked at on Wednesday and saw two episodes in there. I go, <laughs> you know – if you're going to take me out, you better be a little better organized about it. But I think it was Hody being too enthusiastic, mm-hmm. and he he tried to have his own low-key wall. And then, mm-hmm. then Reinhold, basically, he stood up for you, and he said, no, there's only one low-key wall, and it is hosted by Harry Price. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's my show. It's my, it's my stuff. Yeah. Get your own. Right. Okay. You All have right, Wall Daily. Yeah, you got Wall Daily. 
You know, uh, also, um, I also own We Are Basementarians. Don't take that. <laughs> Which I have an amazing couple logos for, by the way. I've never shown that to you, but I have, I have, I have great logos that Peach did for me. Let's see what else I got. Yeah, We Are Basementarians, Cyberloafing, that's all mine. I own that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got many shows. Uh, yeah, Hody. Set on them like Disney. And Hody's done a great job in the meantime of, of talking to every presidential candidate he can talk to. Mm-hmm. He has done a great job. He's talked to every libertarian he can find. He's reached out to every Democrat, every Republican, every independent. Only the libertarians have gotten back to him mm-hmm. because for some reason, Democrats and Republicans don't want to talk to we are libertarians, but uh, the libertarians will. And so he's got a cool debate special coming up. He's going to do a series of debates between all the candidates that'll talk to him. So so we're we're out there. If you're listening and you're connected to any of these campaigns, be it Tulsi Gabbard or Bill Weld or I'll call uh, John McAfee for you. Or John McAfee or Donald Trump or uh you know Klobuchar or Cory Booker, any any campaign, any of you if you're out there or or hit their Twitter or their press people and say, Hey, we are libertarians wants to talk to you because we really do want to present to you the information. It's going to be a very fair interview. It's not going to be a gotcha thing. That's not what we do here. We want to talk to all the presidential candidates. Uh and Hody has uh aggressively as Hody Hody's the nicest person. But he's also very aggressive, and I like it because he's politely aggressive. Correct. And wrong about Powerade. Powerade is disgusting. Powerade is gross. Gatorade is... is yeah. Far superior. Right. Far superior. Right. And the only flavor of Gatorade is orange. All, all, <sighs> else is, all other flavors that's, are wrong. That's what my first go-to was orange that night, and then I went to red, and I got to say, red was better than orange. Yeah, but if it's come back up... You really want that orange? Yeah, no. So, so rough, smells rough better. week. Smells so, better. Thanks to everybody for uh, stepping up yeah, and for. Uh, the, I'm just trying to get to the chat so I can actually see it. Because if you're a ten dollar a month and up patron, then you get a notification that we're going live, and you can chit chat with all the other viewers. So right now, we've got uh, like ten people in there chit chatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, ten people. So. So yeah, we um <laughs> yeah we had fun, we had fun over low key back on the Twitch channel. We did some. Uh, I, I had ten live viewers, that, and then after the show, we raided the uh, uh, LR and FM um, live. That's the other thing is that uh, I I was waiting and waiting and waiting because you had done the episode on Tuesday, yeah. and I was waiting and waiting, and I didn't post it until like the next Monday, mm-hmm. and I finally just in group go, where is that episode? Is somebody going to give that to me? And Reinhold goes, well, we did it on Twitch. And I go, for 14 people. How about we put it in the feed where 10,000 people are going to hear it? And so he got me the audio, but I was just like, the typical Harry. Harry Harry decided to coup and take over the thing he's in charge of. (laughs) (laughs) You you didn't even coup the thing that was the bigger part of the We Are Libertarians. You just took over what you already had control over. I was just like, typical fucking Harry. Consolidated power. He just consolidated on Twitch, uh, which he already has total control over. I couldn't even get into the the alternative Twitch if I wanted to. Did you lock yourself back out? I have cleared my cookies since, you know, December of last year. Um, so uh, rough times here at the Spangle household with, with the sickness mm-hmm. and the greatest tragedy of all was yesterday. Um, you know, and Mike, uh, this is the first time Mike has been on the program in the last after what he told mm-hmm. me off air. 
he was not upset about the news that my uh, slingshot broke yesterday. Uh, now I'm an animal lover. These Sue are not me. animals. These are geese. <laughs> these are Canadian geese who are are not animals. They're monsters. They're turds with wings yeah. with a bad attitude. If, if scourge, they're a scourge. They are. And I live next to a beautiful lake. Tell the people how beautiful it is out there. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, I want to live here. Yeah. It's a luxury apartment. It's, this is, if, when, when my wife divorces me, this is where I'm going to move to. I've already decided. This is it. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> I wouldn't. I've seen your wife. She's very pretty. She's thank you. Very thank pretty. You. Um, so she may we be, have an amazing daughter who loves geese, by the way. So, so if you I, get divorced, to... she may already be here. <laughs> um, no, but... Yeah, you're. It's so cute. Like the, I was, I was having, uh, I've been having father pangs. My my loins are seeking a mate so that I may have children, as I have aged into thirty five. And then I hear these two. Mike is essentially a stay at home dad. Harry was mm-hmm. a stay at home mm-hmm. dad. He's showing pictures of his daughter sleeping on his back, and <laughs> and then funny. Mike shows a video of his daughter going, "Where's daddy?" <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. I need a wife so I can mm-hmm. have children too. So, uh, so it's very cute. Um, I, I know your daughter likes geese, but why have you not taught her that she shouldn't like geese? Because these are predators. <laughs> Correct. Well, they run from her. Okay, she, good. Yeah, she, okay. she chases geese. She thinks they're just the most fun thing in the world to play with. No, they're very. They will attack her. They will. <laughs> they they have an attack. They, they, I think geese smell fear, and she's not afraid of them, so they run right. from her. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and you know, when when you're afraid of geese, they attack you. And when your daughter has E. coli, salmonella, and <laughs> AIDS or something from being attacked by a goose, <laughs> uh, old Spangle over here will be saying, "Don't don't you wish you had a slingshot?" So far, so good. <laughs> So yes, I live my life. Yesterday, uh, so I live. I have the lake here, and the geese wander up on the on the lawn. And when my sliding door opens, those little bastards start running because after two years of having the slingshot, they know that when the door the door slides open, <laughs> troubles are coming. <laughs> And uh, so I shoot the gla- the little glass pellets. And listen, you can't kill one of these things. Like I hit one directly on the butt yesterday, and he just went Mah. allegedly. Uh, and so you you can't actually kill them. I have a BB gun, but I just shoot off the noise, not the actual BBs, because I don't want to. I don't want to kill them. I just don't want them near me. Allegedly, right? Um, no, I do want to kill them, but I won't. Uh, Allegedly, I'm calling for violence against geese. Allegedly, I, I am calling for violence against geese. Uh, I think they're a menace to society. And my slingshot broke mid arc. It snapped back, and now I, I don't know what to do. There were geese out there today. I had to revert. He's mocking you before <laughs> before I bought this Daisy slingshot. I was throwing potatoes at them. I mean, I literally had old potatoes, and I'm just like hurling them at them, and they're like. <laughs> The joke's on you. Yeah. Free food. <laughs> right. Dinner. Right. So uh, my neighbor yesterday, I saw him and he goes, yeah, I've seen you shooting at him. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to report you just because I don't like the cops. Uh, the, the funny thing is the neighbor upstairs and the neighbor downstairs both like Alex Jones, mm. but I'm the one with the Libertarian podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the neighbors across the hall, always high. Uh, so yeah, we we have quite the uh, the neighborhood, but uh, I have to get a new slingshot. Spring is here. You can actually get a new rubber band. Get get a better one. Yep. Yeah, they're like only like four bucks for a replacement. Yeah. The other thing with it is they're vermin. They're disgusting. Their poop causes um, all kinds of respiratory issues in the humans. Um, right. They're plague. Um, honestly, um, we need more border collies to go out protect our lake borders 
Yeah. <laughs> from these from this menace. Canada's yeah. not sending us their best. Send in the worst. I was at Riley's Children Hospital today, which is one of the greatest hospitals in the world. It was uh, Jaden's Whitcomb Riley. Uh, gave the Indianapolis both a great library and a great children's hospital. And uh, they are, I was helping, uh, nothing's wrong. I was there for their radiothon, uh, helping with that a little bit. And they have wolves, fake wolves everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. those black silhouette wolves? Yeah. And they said it's because the geese fly down into the children's park. There's a courtyard where the sick kids go out and play and the geese come in. And and they they congregate mm-hmm. in this place where sick children play. They, they have, Ad- adorable. No, they have no conscience. <laughs> okay, these are the sickest kids in the city in the, in the Midwest. They're here to heal. And geese, geese are here to to just terrorize. We need more birds of prey. Okay? Honestly, you know, just swoop down, get a nice natural predator, and take these little bastards out. Right. All right. They're annoying. You know, you know, it's about the only thing I probably go to war for is to take <laughs> out a geese. Honestly, I, I and listen, I'm an animal. I'm not an animal lover, but I appreciate animals. I do not shoot the ducks. The ducks are delightful. Yeah, the ducks are fine. Right, ducks are cool. Now, if a vote for Bernie Sanders is a vote for socialism, and and as soon as you get socialism, all those geese will be gone because there'll be no food, so people will eat them. Hmm. Yes. Okay, they'll be gone. Yeah, and you'll but we'll be dead. Well, yeah, but they'll be gone. Uh, all right. Well, we've can, we, can, we, can we talk about um, how I exposed Harry Price as a fraud? Oh, that's a – thank you, no, Mike. Fraud. Thank you, Mike. Not, no, complete fraud. Complete fraud. <laughs> he, he, he was searching for something, and what was he Harry, searching Harry with, opens Mike? his laptop, and I see Google mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. splashed across his laptop. Yes, you did. And, and, Mike, what is he always telling me I ought to use? You should use DuckDuckGo, as I do myself always. Good, good. On all my good. platforms, good. regardless of cell phone, computer, good. tablet, mm-hmm. anything. Good. Right. No excuses. Right. So now <clears throat> do as I say, not as I do. First mm-hmm. off, all right, my Harry, personal Harry, cell phone, okay? So all right, my mm-hmm. personal cell phone. Mm-hmm. All right, we're, we're not discussing your cell phone. Right. What was on right. your computer, I got Harry? Duck, duck, go like mm-hmm. right in the freak there. Okay, all right. The main reason why it's sitting mm-hmm. there, right, is because it's a work laptop. All right, okay. So on work laptops, you can't change the default uh, search engine to Duck, duck Go. I can. But oh, every, okay. I yeah. can. I can. I can. Definitely can. All right. I definitely no can. further questions. <laughs> He, I mean, he point nailed Point of you. order. Point of order. Hold on. Hold on. No. See, what happens is, okay, everything in our organization is run through G Suite. So there's no point of me going outside because everything I do on this computer is already controlled through Google. So there's just no point. I'm hearing mm-hmm. excuses. Yeah, it's all that I'm excuse. I'm not if convinced I, at all. If I, I have I'm my hearing, own laptop, I'm, I'm my personal laptop, it doesn't un, have Google on it. Unprincipled. Mm. If, if this was my Lenovo laptop. Hypocritical. Just, I, I don't like this. Unbelieving. <laughs> doesn't believe in the products that he pushes. <laughs> done done you know what i'm just gonna haul, i'm gonna take you know i'm gonna be 30 minutes late now to go home <laughs> drop off my work laptop pick up my personal laptop and come here you know? yeah i bet i bet niece uh niece probably could could get duck duck go on this computer for you i know I, I could get duck duck go on this computer oh i could i definitely could i just don't see the point because like i switch computers i just don't set it mm. up because everything's controlled by my g suite account mm. okay mm-hmm. so i just log in and, th- and it just throws you know everything in there from google so mm. just, i pull everything down 
Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It already tracks right. everything I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. On this machine. Yeah. Just, just dig, dig in the grave. All right. Now, you know what this uh, this jazz music means, right? Is it like mid, mid-roll? No, well, no, not advertisements necessarily, but just thank yous. Oh. It's time to do some thank yous before we get into the main show now. Have we always had music? With the we, we have not. It's always been here. I've just never actually used it. And I thought, you know, what, what, what better way to thank people than to have a little fun music underneath this? A little jazz. I paid for it. I might as well use it, right? Yeah. So we got this one. So here, you can check out the music that we got. We got this one. This is more of a late night. It's a bit too busy. Yeah. It's too busy. But no offense, Mike, Harry's the jazz expert here. <laughs> this would be good when we start doing like a wall after dark and we more tonight show once we get the studio. Yeah. This is kind of fun. Probably a little too much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man with the trumpet. Let's hear it with Big Bill. Oh. Oh. Mm. Ooh. Oh, there you go. Funky. Yeah. Yeah, Get well, down with your bad self. Harry, that really speaks to me. <laughs> the funky guitar does. Yeah. It's jazz guitar. Ooh. Okay. I'm liking that. It's only two minutes long. You know, I can't keep it under two minutes. <laughs> you know what? I'm out there. I can't it's keep plenty it. Plenty of time, Chris. I can't keep plenty it under of two time. <laughs> I like that one. All right. Let's 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 hear around the room a little bit. Oh. Little little Sinatra. I think my personal favorite though is this. Of absolute control. Oh yeah. That's why we're just out there doing simple things, pointing out that we're meant to be in nature and be natural. And this is where we find the source that God made to transcend the new world order. And that's why they want to try to keep us out of it. I'm angry. I've had enough of these people. Little Stereo Deluxe. Alex Jones. Remix. But, you know, let's go back to the jazz. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll use this one. I want to thank uh, Craig DaCosta for sending us something off of our Amazon wish list. From time to time, I will, I will come home from work, and there will be a package on my doorstep, Harry. And I feel like a cam girl, and it's just a glorious day. Uh, and so he sent us a great interface um, for for cell phones, as did Mario E. Mario E. also uh, sent us some balloons. So we have kind of a party vibe for the YouTube channel. So if you haven't, so, well, you can watch all the shows on YouTube later. Uh, and listen to all the audio as well. So that explains the balloons. Yeah, so Mario sent these. Uh, so just go ahead and read some of these balloons. Uh, no, not that Harry. one. Uh, not this that party one. sucks is one of them. Uh, what's that one say? Yes, bitch. Okay. Uh, this one says, this party is shit. Um, what does that one say? Um, happy, happy effing whatever. Happy fucking whatever. And Mike, go ahead and read that one, please. You effing did it. Congrats. Are you guys not... Cur- are you afraid to curse? I'm a dad now. 
Oh, you know, where's your New Balance? <laughs> I'm not that much. I'm not that dad. I don't have cargo shorts. But you won't say fucking like a grown ass man. <laughs> I got Asics. I'm gonna wait to get my New Balance when I get my minivan. Okay. Yeah, are you really getting the minivan? Really think about getting the minivan. Even though I was looking at um, some Foresters. Uh-huh. Get another Subaru. Um, uh, but Lace keeps looking at Miatas. Okay. And just like, this is a two-seater's like, yeah, but, you know, this is fun. Lacey needs to just reel it in because... I know, you know she's the one looking at sports cars. Because when Gunther 2 comes along... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> So special thanks to Craig and Mario for helping out with uh, with our equipment needs, which you can find at WeAreLibertarians.com. Uh, special thanks to all of our patrons who continue to keep the lights on. This is a big, pro- this is a big project. We've got... Near 40 people that work on We Are Libertarians doing various things, and we, we supply all the software. We send them equipment. I'm sending Harry with a USB microphone tonight, so when he does those low-key walls, he doesn't sound like he did. Um, so, and, and that's all from Wishlist and from your, patron, your patronage and in our hosting bills. We have mobile apps. We have radio streams. So, And all that takes money. And uh, it all comes from our patrons. So I want to thank Ed Brehob, Jason Doolittle. Uh, I, I had to write this down so I don't mess it up. Memerty Libs. We have two Facebook pages. Two people do something very smart. Instead of buying advertising, they support us at $100 a month. So they know that I'll say their name every time in hopes that you will support them. And I do hope that you support them and go like their pages because they're doing great work. First is Memerty Libs. And the other is the Libertarian Coalition. They're really starting to step up their work and doing great stuff. So please go check that out. Uh, Christy Avery, obviously, watching live from the hot tub as we speak. Uh, And Craig DaCosta. Um, I'm going to go through uh, just a few of our $25 a month. Uh, Ryan Lindsay, who is working on a special easy that will be coming out soon. Um... Liberty Memes, the actual Liberty Memes. The Gay Brothers support this program at $25 a month. We support them. Rob Place, Mario E., obviously, Ray Wolf, uh, Reinhold, Catherine Iverson, Richard, um, Jacob Castor- Castoreno. I think I said that very uh, d- delicately. Uh, the Liberty Extract, Michael Schulteis, Joshua Sexton, Jacob Klingensmith, Eric Neff, Rick Irvine, Joey Turner. Carly Ernst, Brandon Kester, Dan Dunbar, Christopher Brokoff, and our good friend Todd Singer. So thank you to those top-tier patrons, but all of our patrons and everybody that supports the show in any way. If you share the, share it, uh, if you, like Brian Nichols, wrote an article for his website of the Top 10 Libertarian Podcast, put us on that. That's a great way to support the show. Go grab that off of the Libertarian Republic and, and share that. Um, share our memes, just whatever it takes to spread the word of mouth um, of the program. So we've got 10,000 listeners that listen to this program. Um, we have 95,000 Facebook likes. We've got five, 6,000 Instagram likes. If all of you would just give a dollar or at least one share, think of the impact that we could have just by that one action that, that you're taking. So... Thank you, guys. I just want to keep this going because I'm just enjoying the music so much. Maybe this is what we do. We just have 
like nice jazz underneath. But and if you're listening out there and you're not a patron, you can go sign up at wearelibertarians.com slash support. You can do Patreon where you'll get uh, you'll get some bonus content. We've been putting out several hours of extra bonus content a month recently. Uh, you can sign up via PayPal. You can sign up monthly, weekly, daily, darn near, uh, yearly contribution. You can do Bitcoin if you're a Bitcoin person. There's a ton of different ways that you can support the program, and it's not just uh, through Patreon if you have uh, a moral disagreement with them, as some do. So please check that out, wearelibertarians.com slash support. We're going to be retooling the store very soon with some brand new t-shirts. You can still access the the store. Uh, but uh, yeah, so as the music ends, I will end. But please support the program at wearelibertarians.com. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Are you tired of banging your head against the proverbial wall of politics and getting nowhere toward actually making your life more free? Are you tired of interview podcasts that have the same guests as every other libertarian interview podcast out there? Are you tired of hearing the same news stories that you can hear on the mainstream media? Then you need to listen to The Lava Flow, where we don't do politics and we don't do the major stories that exist only to divide you. We talk about news that affects you and your freedom, and we work to find solutions that can actually help you to be more free. Check us out at thelavaflow.com. Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? Look no further. Blast off with Johnny Rocket is a Seattle-based podcast expressing viewpoints of free markets, voluntary exchange, badass music, wicked banner, and of course, drinking. The Blast Off doesn't shy from the truth, but always brings the party. Let's rock and roll, Raylene. Bring it on, Johnny. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Again, that's thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Launchpad Media. Always launching ideas in your direction. Uh, I'm going to click the little marker here. That's what that's what I do. So when I pause before I begin a new thing, it's because I can't do two things at once. Um, now we, the three of us, the big talk over the last week has really been. Do you hear the geese? I hear the geese. Yeah. The geese are barking, and I immediately stop laughing at you. Did you see the fire <laughs> that came into my eyes when I heard that noise? And I almost ran outside, but I don't have my slingshot, so. When uh, the the Amazon man is going to bring me my uh, my tools to fight the enemy, <laughs> um, I I have a friend in in uh, Canada right now. I said, "What is it like to be in the heart of evil?" <laughs> um, so 
censorship on the internet on these big platforms over the last couple weeks it really seems like it's ramping up and uh there there's there's been two conversations going there's been all the various things that are happening but then there's also been the joe rogan podcast with uh jack dorsey mm-hmm. right or is it jack it's not jack yeah, dorsey jack, yeah, jack, yeah dorsey. jack dorsey i'm thinking of jack Dem- dempsey the fighter <laughs> um and uh, gosh which jack dempsey and joe rogan that'd be a great podcast yeah <laughs> uh vidya I don't know how to say her last name. I apologize. I'm sure she's not listening. Uh, and Tim Poole. And they sat down and had a conversation for three and a half hours. And a lot of people are talking about it. And I wanted to share my impressions, give you a little bit of information about it in case you don't want to spend three and a half hours. Um, you know, I, the impression that I had watching it was that Tim Poole destroyed Twitter and Twitter's just the evil empire. And then when I watched it, I didn't think Tim pool did nearly as well as everybody said. Tim pool did. I mean, he did fine. Mm-hmm. And I think he made our case. I, I think the, the independent internet's case, the inter- independent media's case to Twitter and asked some very difficult questions, but I don't think that he'd necessarily listened to a lot of what they were saying. He was very repetitive um, but he did have a good a good points, and there were points where you know we'll we'll play some of this. But like when when you hear them explain why they banned certain people, mm-hmm. you go, "This is nonsense." Like if you if you were to talk to the other, if you talk to Alex Jones, or if you were like they brought up Alex Jones and grab your battle rifles, and it's like if you actually watch that clip, it's very clear that like Jack Dorsey does not watch the clips. He doesn't really know a lot of the, like the the narrative. Mike and I were talking about this before, and I don't know if you picked this up, Harry. Like Jack doesn't seem to be very aware of the conversations that we're having about his company. Correct. And I can only assume that's because successful people mm-hmm. don't spend all day on Twitter <laughs> um, having <No>. these conversations. <laughs> Um, but I think Tim Pool didn't. It wasn't a slam dunk, uh, and I know that he went on Ruben and kind of talked a little bit about how he would have done some things differently. I did not catch that interview, but um, essentially the conversation was: Why are you banning people? Why? Why do you make the decisions that you make? Uh, obviously, Jack Dorsey, CEO, Vidya is the uh, head of essentially like the community management, the safety team that that she's the one that really is making the final decision on whether you're going to ban somebody permanently like a gavin mcginnis or a milo um you know they're they're almost every one of the cases that we've talked about like gavin alex jones milo sargon of akkad like her answers were she was very uh convinced that she had done the right thing mm-hmm. but they just didn't really like if you know about them you're just going this doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. Like why, why they made this particular, I'm trying to see if I can find, um, the timestamp when they were talking about it. Yeah. I didn't do a great job of, I didn't, I've been so busy and I haven't really prepped the way that I normally would prep for an episode. Um, and we had like kind of a busy week. So we're going to be a little scattered in the audio that we're pulling from this. Um, so I apologize for that, but yep, wish we had a producer like Nostalgia. <laughs> it, it would be great. Um, but uh, Jack Dorsey Sargon, because this one was to me was like the most ridiculous. Um, Sargon, here, no, so I think there's, there's, a, there's a bigger here. discussion. I think um, both of you could probably shed some important light on That's too outside Tim of Tim Pool. 
this weaponization of content from platforms is being used to get people banned from their banking accounts. You know, they're, they're, uh, we can talk about Patreon, for instance. And again, I'm not. This is this may, may just be something you could uh, chime in on. Patreon banned uh, a man named Carl Benjamin, also known as Sargon of Akkad. He's also banned from Twitter, and it was why, because. Do you know why he got banned from Twitter? Um, I can see. That's an interesting one. Uh, I do have some some of the details here. Um, do you want me to read yeah, them? Yeah, please. Okay. Um, Looks, looks like, like it's going to be gross. It's not stuff that I love saying, um, but I will say it. Want Jack to say it? Uh, <laughs> I should make Jack <laughs> I don't say, it. say it. He doesn't like cursing either. Um, <laughs> oh, I must be a dad. <laughs> I curse more than he does, so I guess I should say it. Uh, first strike. Um, fuck white people, kill all men, die, cis gum, none of the above qualify as hate speech. What, um, when, wait a minute. When, when was that? Uh, I don't have the dates. I'm sorry, but he's not, he's a white guy. I mean, obviously, he's joking around there. Him and, and saying also, fuck it, white people. It also sounds like he's trying to make come. a point about yeah. your rules and how you enforce them. Not actually, possibly. Well, which Again. is also exactly why he got kicked off of Patreon. He was, it was exactly. Yeah. Well, I know he also posted a photo of interracial gay porn at some white nationalists to make them angry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's funny. Well, I, <laughs> he's funny sometimes. I, I, I can understand how. Uh, Posting that photo is an egregious violation of the rules, whether whether or not he was trying to insult some people. That's a very good point, and I wanted to bring that up. Is porn a violation of the rules? Uh, porn, generally, no. Good. Really? Good for you. Oh, I so love then it. why would – Because it you happens in my feed all the time. I, I follow <laughs> <up with> naughty <laughs> girls, and occasionally they, they pop up. post well, pictures so, of themselves engaging in intercourse. I'm like, yikes. So then, uh, why? What, what else were the other strikes for Sargon <laughs> yeah. or Carl? Oh, um, let's see. Um, there was the use of uh, a Jewish slur. Um, How do you use it? Uh, to a person, you traitor, remainer, white genocide supporting Islamophile, Jewish slur lover. That should keep you going. Hashtag Hitler was right. But but these oh, aren't that, general opinions. These are targeted. These so are targeted at somebody. That, that sounds mm, like okay. he's being Boy. like he's making a joke. So, yeah, so I understand. In context, the, uh, it sounds like the other one. Like yeah. in context, what he's saying, particularly the fact that he's a white guy, that doesn't sound like a, a racial slur at all. I mean, he's so saying is, fuck white people, and is he in, is white. In context, again, these okay. are tied together. Right. Uh, I always knew that person was not to be trusted. That fucking. Jewish slur. Oh, so there's and a so lot. Like, there's a bunch a of things. He's very specific person. He's targeting. He's being very, very trying to be very provocative. And he's saying this I, well, about a specific Jewish person. I, I don't know the race of this person. I'm sorry. Right. And this is not okay. But this is not. Uh, this is not parody. This is not joking well, around. We didn't view it that way. I'm just okay. telling. I'm not trying to like relitigate all this. I'm just telling I, you what they were. So you. I, can, I knew he had done things that were like egregious violations of the rules because, you know, plain and simple, I didn't bring him up to, you know, go through it and try and figure out if he, but that it, it does sound like at least the first one was meant to be a, a critique joke. of, yeah. Your, so, um, potentially, but there are a bunch of others if you want to hear them. More than sure. Uh, that, Keep it rolling. This is again targeted. <laughs> this is how I know one day that I'll be throwing you from a helicopter. You're the same kind of malignant cancer. Don't forget it. Um, so there's just it, it's not one thing or two things or three things. This is like a bunch of them. Here. That's oh, illusions yeah. of grandeur. And Imagine thinking you're going to throw someone from a helicopter. Well, he doesn't hey, bro, really get but, you in that helicopter, but, but, <laughs> right? He, does, he doesn't get the meme. They don't get the meme, right? <laughs> and, and not none of them get the meme except Tim Pool, who kind of mm-hmm. lives in his world. He's mm-hmm. not alt right, which the media is the real problem in all this, which we'll get to. Um, but Tim Pool is a leftist. He worked for Vice. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan. At one point, Tim Pool looks at Rogan and says, You're a socialist, right? He goes, Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, 
and then you know Jack Dorsey, I think is probably the most libertarian person in the room uh, out of out of the the four of them. But uh, it's very clear in watching that the reason that I really wanted to go to that one is because we've talked about Sargon before. Uh, Sargon uses language that is intentionally inflammatory to his own detriment, where he gets himself kicked off of platforms because he says these things, and when taken out of context, mm-hmm. they like that they look very bad, and so you know the the lefties who are working in the safety department at twitter when they get a million reports about this you know because there's a group of there's squads on both sides who are looking for offensive material from tucker carlson and sargon and gavin and then on the right they're looking for offensive things from kathy griffin or whomever and, you know, the the left-leaning bent of, of Twitter, you know, they see, oh, look at him saying these slurs and all this, and they don't get who he is or what he's about. And so, look, there's a, there's a pattern of this guy using this language, and mm-hmm. it's directed at people. And that was the big thing. It was, listen, we want debate to happen, even if the debate isn't good. We want you to have healthy conversations on the platform, but we can't control that. We can help create tools that might direct that. But... At the end of the day, if you're going to harass someone, that is the problem. So if you're going on Twitter today and you're sharing an opinion, you're not going to get you're not going to get kicked off for that. If you're going on and you're targeting, you're being mean to somebody and you get reported for it, then they're going to start flagging you, either the the algorithm or it's going to rise to the next level. I personally after watching this feel like I do nothing on Twitter is even remotely going to ever rise <laughs> to the level of getting kicked off. Um, you know, I may troll people back, but I never do it in a way like that, where I'm using specific language that I know mm-hmm. is going to get a rise out of certain people. So, like, it's almost like Sargon knows what he's doing and he's trying to become the martyr. Um, that may not be his. But at the end of the day, I think that clip really exemplified all the examples that Tim Pool brought up, be it Milo or Gavin uh, McInnes or or any of the number of... The, and so I'm trying to save you three and a half hours, but I do think that if you got the time, watch <laughs> it's it. It's all very similar. Yeah. It's all very similar. Mm-hmm. It is... It is... We ban this person because there's a pattern of them targeting someone else with offensive language, and that's why we pulled them off. And they completely fail to understand the context. They keep saying, well, it's about the context. It's about the context. But they completely fail to understand the context of who Sargon is and what he is trying to achieve. They ban him. And then when they would bring up somebody who is left-leaning, who was targeting targeting people, they go, well, it was that one specific time. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, maybe it's not because what they didn't seem to grasp was that there are squads on the left that are continually – targeting sargon for instance or milo and constantly reporting them so you can you can have a pattern but when the disney producer starts telling covington kids they ought to be put into wood chippers well that's just one incident that's just one incident and you know we we took action on that but you don't know that that's a pattern because nobody's following that guy around the internet and reporting him all the time and so they didn't uh, they don't they didn't seem to quite grasp the fact that they have a pattern of it is it is a problem with the way that their system, their reporting system, is set up, and the way that one side is using it and the other is not. But I, you know, so I I, do, I don't think that they really understand the problem that conservatives have with their product, being that that that's the situation. Correct. And one thing I 
I didn't hear, maybe I missed it, you know, I was watching Gunther through, listening all three hours, was, mm-hmm. was they tracking the reporting as harassment? I never, I didn't remember ever hearing that in a track. Because they never they, mentioned that, no, yeah, no. Yeah, because that's, to me, it's also a form of harassment. Just constantly keep reporting people's posts. They, they, they said they'd like to crack, that's what Learn to Code was about, that they do want to crack down on the mobs. You'll kind of hear mm-hmm. it addressed here in the, in the next clip that I want to play. We're only going to play a couple clips from this. Um, but the next one, I think, was Dorsey being really thoughtful, and I think he kind of accidentally exposes li- that libertarianism is the only way for the world to work mm. based on his experience. Mm. Um, but yeah, they did kind of talk about that, but it, they said it's kind of hard to prove. Like, if you, you can't, if, you know, he, Tim Pool brought up when, you know, one person goes and writes N, and then the next person comments I, and mm-hmm. then G. You, you can't prove that they're in coordination with each other. You can't prove that that's a mob. That's kind of why Milo got banned is that he was continually fanning the flames after Leslie Jones, right. for instance. You know, And, and so uh, he was the one leading the charge to harass the SNL comedian Leslie Jones. So that's why he got banned. In that failed movie. Right. <laughs> the Ghostbusters movie. But the fact is, is that uh, y- you go and look at the the you know tim pool after this mm-hmm. or joe rogan's timeline or anybody on the right or jordan peterson it's it's just it's constant abuse right well but the, the, the idea of like well they can't police that it's like well if you can look that this one specific account yeah keeps reporting posts and there's nothing you can do to move on these posts then this person is either trying to harass him by reporting yeah. just nonsense little posts it's, that's what I'm talking about. You think there would be a way for them to have an algorithm where, okay, this person reports every other post. We're just going to ignore his reports, you know? But this, or just tell them, like, hey, this person is like, you may want to block them. But this is where Tim Pool kind of failed. Tim Pool wanted total free speech, a total lack of, uh, uh, you know, censorship on the platform. But then mm-hmm. he got mad that people were harassing him and they didn't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... There was a little bit of a breakdown where I, I don't want to be harassed, but why are you why are you banning these people for harassment? <laughs> you know, and yeah. so uh, I think his point was more that it was a double standard. Yeah, he, that, he was more mad at the hypocrisy of it. I think right. he would have been okay with it as long as it was equally yeah. uh, enforced. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they talked about Kathy Griffin giving the names of the Covington kids, and they said, "Well, we consider it. Your name is public. Your phone number is not." And so they said their main focus really is security. They want to make sure that if 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 Harry gets on and starts saying mean things to me and continually says mean things to me, they they don't care about that as much as if it looks like he's he's doxing me, he's mm. putting out private information. You know, that rises to a different level for them where they will escalate action. And that's kind of their main focus. I think people forget that Twitter is still a business that have to make a profit at the end of the day. And I think when if, if you allow some of this doxing to go on and you allow harassment to go on, let's imagine it turns into the real world and something actually happens. Now, can Twitter get sued? I mean, are they liable? Uh, yeah. You know, is the government going to come down on them saying, OK, you have not cleaned up your act. We have to come in and do it for you. So I think they have to walk a tightrope where, yeah, they want free expression. They want all this, you know, free speech. But then they, they still have to make a profit. They can't do that to their detriment to go out of business either or lose advertisement. Yeah. Well, well and I, go ahead. I was going to 
Yeah, with that, and I wanted to go back and talk about the Tim Pool thing. It's like yeah. you could also see the gaps in his under, also understanding of his political philosophy. Yeah, Tim Pool is like incredibly intelligent. He can think things through logically, and you can tell like through that conversation he was trying to have his cake and eat it too mm-hmm. on his like his left leaning. You know his left leaning stuff, and he's like, "Well, th- I want this for people, but I need you to be regulated, but I don't want you to control mm-hmm. everything." Yeah. I'm like, "Are you not seeing what you're doing?" Yeah, yeah. Right. I had trouble following him too because yeah, he he always talks about he's in favor of regulation because everyone accuses him of being alt right because it's for free speech, but he's like, "No, look, I want regulation, I want government intervention." But then he's like, "But not in this specific way." I want so it was for me, it was very hard to find out what exactly he wanted the government to be involved in Twitter, and even he said at one point. He doesn't want the government to regulate Twitter because he's saying it's going to be a sledgehammer and they're just going to ruin it. So he, I, I had trouble kind of following exactly what he thought the government's role. Like in most this people was. on the left, he doesn't understand how bureaucracy yeah. actually works when this legislation is enacted. But the thing is, I think he does, but he hopes it for it can always be better. But it's yeah. never that better, right? And I think that him saying it out loud, he just kept really like, okay, I want it, but I don't know want it because I can't I have no, like, he has no cases to base off and when it actually has made anything better. Well, yeah. what he came down to was he wants the Twitter to enforce speech as if it's the government. So, in mm-hmm. other words, any speech protected by the government should be allowed on Twitter. So, like, I can go to someone and just say all kind of slurs and threats to you as long as it's not, you know, to the escalating to the point of, an actual physical threat. Well, at mm-hmm. certain points, he got mad at them for having the power that they have. Right. Yeah, then there's another problem, too. I, I was pretty upset at him. Mm-hmm. But then he, he didn't want them to have any power, but then, like, yeah. it, I don't... I, I just... I right. think he... I don't think he went into it with the... Uh, like, I went into it to listen... And every time Jack Dorsey talked, I was I was engaged. Like mm-hmm. every time that guy talked, I went. I hadn't thought of it. I haven't mm-hmm. thought of it that way. Like it was. It was. It was. It could have been about an hour shorter if we had just edited right. Tim a little bit. Um, you know, every time Vidya spoke, it was sort of like clinical, s- circular well, bullshit. Well, well, she was the, <laughs> the corporate answer. This is the answer right. I'm supposed to give. So that way, you know, right. she's the face of the corporation. And I think, well, Jack, it's his baby. So he's right. the one that created it. He has the most skin in the game yeah. as anyone does. So I think when he talks, he 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 knows everything from every angle because he knows that if he's not managing this company properly, he has more to lose than anyone. So I think when he talks, you know, he made the best points, I would say. He, he thinks about it philosophically. Were you surprised at how little he knows about the things that we know so much about <laughs> a little no. bit, but then you pointed out that, I mean, this guy is, is, he's a successful guy. Then, you know, I find out he's the CEO of cash app and mm-hmm. of a uh, square yeah. and Twitter. So this guy's working 80 hours a week, I imagine. So yeah. for him, he probably doesn't know all the intersexual, uh, you know, feminist, uh, rungs of, of everything. Right. And he's just trying to run a business from, he, he doesn't, it seemed to me that he didn't understand when a guy's busy like that and they're in charge, the underlings kind of <laughs> take that for granted, and they craft things in the way that they think it in the way that they think it ought to be run. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense that uh, the the security team that Vidya runs really thinks about things from that intersectional leftist perspective, and mm-hmm. they're they're kind of going about it a certain way, and it may be in conflict a little bit with the way that he thinks about it, which is we're an open speech platform, but 
you know, she to me was kind of like, you know, when you're spinning the boss a little bit, and you're in your year end review, hmm. and you're going, this is why I'm banning this person because they did this, 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 and you're very firm. But then when like you hit them with a counterexample, like in Alabama, when they use the platform to do the same exact thing that they had banned other people for, uh, she didn't know the guy's name. He didn't know the guy's name. They didn't really have the details that Tim Pool had. They didn't have really any good answers on any of the counter examples of the leftist using the platform in the same way that the conservatives were using it. Mm-hmm. You know, the left, well, the way they use it, they, they get by with a lot of stuff and the right does not. And she was, she kind of had like soft pedal answers like, well, here's why this. And so I just, Thanks I felt, feedback. I felt like she was kind of spinning us. Whereas with him, and I think this clip, this, this will be a little longer, but I think, I think we, it's so easy for us just to say, and I block somebody, somebody with the at collapsitarian. I just like I'd never have seen this guy, and I don't want to engage with him ever again. I can just tell he, he didn't even say anything bad. It's just you see when you see the the attitude, like they always glorify anger or negativity in their bio, and you're just like, you know what, you and I are not going to get along. I don't want you in my world. Goodbye. Um, which is adult should do mm-hmm. instead of saying this person shouldn't be on the platform mm. you just block them that's how it works like Mute. i don't need to tell him how to think i just don't need to be involved in it um you know it's like oh i i said that about him being successful he goes is he successful i was like he's worth <laughs> billions of dollars he started in a garage and Missouri, yes. If he's not successful, I have no chance. Right. <laughs> well, listen, success is subjective. So, right, I mean, right. by you're, your definition, I mean, you're you're <laughs> successful because you're berating a D-list <laughs> podcaster on on Twitter, uh, Mr. Success. We're finally D-level. Oh, easily, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. we're like at least second tier now. Like, mm. like me and Austin Peterson talked to. We, we we were Instagram DMing today. I was in his DMs, so he said he liked our memes. So that I mean that's D list at least. Big deal. They, they oh. notice us. Yeah. Wow. Matt Welch liked one of my tweets yesterday. Like I'm nice. getting too famous for you people. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and I heard you were on the Friends Against Government podcast. That was that's it's pretty awesome. The Fadcast, yes. Uh, <laughs> but I have a bone to pick with them. No. Um, they. They aren't giving me enough credit for turning them into what they've become. Mm. I have made them. They're becoming successful because of me, and mm. they're not giving me the props that, that are due. They're getting too big for their britches, that's you think? Ex- that's exactly right. So you, you, uh, I, I helped you up the ladder, and when you get to my <laughs> rung, I'm going to smack you off, <laughs> Burden Car. Uh, they have a very funny podcast. Go check it out. Um, yeah, no, so uh, let's see. What was I saying? Um, so Jack Dorsey kind of illustrated the problem that he has. And I think as libertarians and as free speech advocates and we see people getting banned and we see in our echo chambers everybody getting riled up, it's easy to go, ah, oh, grab your pitchforks and torches and let's burn down Jack Dorsey. But I think it's uh, it should be appreciated that Dorsey did this because I can tell you working in corporations and working in PR – not one PR person, lawyer, overthinker in the corporation, shareholders, board member. None of them wanted him to go on Joe Rogan <laughs> with Tim Pool. <laughs> they don't want him going on Sam Harris. They don't want him going on Sean Hannity. 
He went on Sean Hannity's show to talk about this stuff. Uh, Twitter is the only platform that didn't ban Alex Jones outright. Now, they talk about why they banned Alex Jones, and it was total nonsense, um, which you can hear. She's just spinning, spinning, spinning. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dorsey, I think, really does take a lot of this stuff seriously which you'll hear in this but there's also the other angle of the just the sheer scope of the challenge that they have and i think if you think about central planning and we're going to control the world and we're going to control thought we're going to control government i want you to in this answer to think about how possible that might be for our our friends who want central planning so this is uh our one hour and 26 minutes in and it's easy to communicate especially when you only have 280 characters that there is a class of individual in this country i think you mentioned on uh, was it sam harris that the left these left uh, liberal journalists only follow each other yeah can, in the in the run-up to the 2016 election that's dorsey yeah. and so, so uh that's i mean I, I still believe that to be true and i've worked in these offices it has changed they, they've done the study again the visualization and, and now there is a lot more cross-pollination but we what we saw is uh folks who are reporting on the left end of the spectrum mainly followed folks on the left and folks on the right followed everyone right. what you were talking about earlier that there's yep. these bubbles there's but, there's yeah. bubbles and we've helped create them yeah and and maintain them so, so here's what ends up happening, and this is one of the big problems that people have with this story particularly. Particularly, You have a left-wing activist who works for NBC News. I'm not accusing you of having read the article. He, write, he, he's, he spends uh, a, like a day lobbying to Twitter saying, guys, you have to do this. You have to make these changes. The next day he writes a story saying that 4chan is organizing these, these, these harassment campaigns and death threats. And while 4chan was doing threads about it, you can't accuse 4chan simply for talking about it because Reddit was talking about it too, as was Twitter. So then the next day, he, after he publishes his article, now he's getting threats, and then Twitter issues a statement saying, we will take action. And to make matters worse, when John Levine, a writer for The Wrap, got a statement from one of your spokespeople saying, yes, we are banning people for, for saying learn to code, a bunch of journalists came out and then lied, I had no idea why, saying this is not true, this is fake news. Then a, a second statement was published by Twitter saying it's part of a harassment campaign. And so then the mainstream narrative becomes... Oh, they're only banning people who are part of a harassment campaign. But you, you literally see legitimate, high-profile individuals getting suspensions for, for joining in on a joke. Oh, there, there for sure are probably mistakes in there. I don't think that any of us are claiming that we got this 100% right. And, and probably our team having a lack of context into actually what's happening as well. And, and we would fully admit we probably were way too aggressive when we first saw this as well so, and made mistakes. I I hope this clarifies then. You have situations like this where you can see, you know, this journalist, I'm not going to name him, but he routinely has very, like, left-wing, I I don't want to use overtly uh, esoteric words, but uh, intersectional dogmatic points of view, right? So this is considered... What does that mean? So, like, intersectional feminism is considered, like, a small ideology... It, people refer to these groups as the regressive left or the identitarian left. These are basically people who hold views that a person is judged based on the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. So you have the right-wing version, which is like the alt-right, the left-wing version, which is like um, intersectional feminism is, is, is how it's typically referred to. So you'll see people say things like, you know, when they, when, typically when they rag on white men or when they say like white feminism, these are, these are signals that they hold these particular views. And these views are becoming more pervasive. So what ends up happening is you have a journalist who clearly holds these views. I don't even want to call him a journalist. He writes extremely biased and out-of-context story. Twitter takes action in response, uh, seemingly in response. Then we can look at what happens with Oliver Darcy at CNN. He's 
says, you know. Now, uh, that's an incredibly important thing that he just said. That is the pattern. They, that the social media companies are responding to bad press because they are stockholder corporations. And when Variety, which we'll talk about in a moment, writes an article about YouTube alt-right trolls like Joe Rogan and Tim Pool, uh, they start taking action on them. And that's the pattern. It is Media Matters puts out the research, which we saw with Tucker Carlson. Mm -hmm. Then all the the clickbait mills pick it up. And we've said this forever. If you've listened to the program for any length of time for the last couple of years, you hear the pattern. The clickbait mills like Daily, uh, the, the, you know, on the right, Daily Caller, Daily Wire, on the left, uh, Huffington Post, The Rap, any of these things. But I mean, I would even include, um, you know, The Atlantic or, or, you know, venerated media establishments or The New York Times. They start writing things as if this is the truth. Um, and, and it's basically just one person on Twitter or Media Matters or one, liberal uh group or person pushing like ben shapiro when he gave his comments at the the right to life rally one guy on twitter who has seventy thousand followers and he's a hardcore leftist edited the video to make ben shapiro look bad and the press just parroted it and made it look like he actually said what he said and then you get the the ceo like jack dorsey sitting in front of lester holt and lester holt is basically just reading the media matters press release going do you agree with this and the out of context information never actually reaches Jack Dorsey. It, it's just, well, we got to do something about this. Look at all this bad press I read in USA Today, all these bad things, and this is a problem. It's the media that is actively distorting. And Oliver Darcy, who used to work for Glenn Beck at The Blaze, used to work for The Daily Caller and Tucker Carlson, uh, once just wrote glowingly of freedom of speech, has been the main person pushing for anybody on the right to get kicked off of the platform. Him him and little Brian Steltzer uh, get together on Sundays in reliable sources and just try to knock out their competition at Fox and knock out the competition in the new media. And uh, so that's who he's talking about. We've talked about little Oliver Darcy uh, repeatedly. You know, the people at CPAC, are, the conservatives are gullible, eating red meat from grifters, among other things, disparaging comments about the right. And he's the one who's primarily advocating for the removal it, it, I hope this clarifies then. You have situations like this where you can see, you know, th- this journalist, I'm not going to name him, but he routinely has very, like, left wing, I, I don't want to use overtly uh, esoteric words, but uh, intersectional dogmatic points of view, right? So this is. Consider- what does that mean? So, like, intersectional feminism is considered, like, a small ideology. It, people refer to these groups as the regressive left. Or we, we jump backwards, but I wanted you to hear them not know what intersectional means. Because, Mike, I think that kind of d- that blows apart. That wasn't staged. I think that genuinely blows apart the idea that they're all just leftists sitting there going, oh, well, we're just talking to our friends over at the uh, SPLC and uh, – where we're, like, they bring up the Southern Poverty Law Center and she's like, her face like twists like gross. No. Yeah. You know, I don't think that we have had, after watching this, I don't think that we have had the right impression of these companies, at least Twitter anyways, where they're sitting there just going to the Southern Poverty Law Center website and then banning anybody that's Proud Boys. That's not how, that's not how it is working. They don't even know what intersectional means. This is not ideology. What I'm thinking, this is business. This is right. we're afraid we're losing advertisers. We're right. afraid we're, we're mm-hmm. losing customers. All this bad press. So we got to fix this so that way we can keep our money flowing and keep our customers coming. And I, I think that's the root cause of everything that's going on right here. Right. 
or the identitarian left. These are basically people who hold views that a person is judged based on the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. So you have the right-wing version, which is like the alt-right, the left-wing version, which is like um, intersectional feminism is, is, is how it's typically referred to. So you'll see people say things like, you know, when they, when, typically when they rag on white men or when they say like white feminism, these are, these are signals that they hold these particular views. And these views are becoming more pervasive. So what ends up happening is you have a journalist who clearly holds these views. I don't even want to call him a journalist. He writes extremely biased and out-of-context story. Twitter takes action in response, uh, seemingly in response. Then we can look at what happens with Oliver Darcy at CNN. He says, you know, the people at CPAC, are, the conservatives are gullible, eating red meat from grifters, among other things, disparaging comments about the right. And he's the one who's primarily advocating for the removal of certain individuals who you then remove. And then when Kathy Griffin calls for doxing, that's fine. When this guy calls for the death of these kids, he gets, he gets a, a slap on the wrist. And, and look, I understand the context matters. But grains of sand make a heap. And eventually you have all of these stories piling up. And people are asking you why it only flows in one direction. Because I got, I got to be honest. I'd imagine that calling for the death three times of any individual is a bannable offense, even without a warning. You just get rid of them. But it didn't happen, right? We see, we see these, you know, people say men aren't women, though, and they get a suspension. We see people say the editor-in-chief of The Daily Caller may be the best example. Hashtag learn to code, uh, quoting The Daily Show, and he gets a suspension. Threatening death and inciting death is a suspension, too. It, it, it feels like it's only going in one direction. Yeah, I think we have a lot of work to do to explain more clearly when we're taking action and why, and certainly looking into um, any mistakes we may have made in, in those particular situations. So would you guys agree that in tech, I think we can all agree this, I, I would hope you agree, tech tends to lean left. Like uh, tech companies, I mean, Facebook, Twitter, Google. I, I, I would be willing to bet that a conservative running a social network would not have a hate speech policy. I mean, you look at Gab and you look at Mines, and Mines not even right wing. Right, they're not right wing at all. They're no. just they just staunchly support free speech. And right. I don't think Gab is necessarily. I don't think the owner is necessarily right wing either. I don't know much about him. I think he's like a libertarian. <clears throat> I, I I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't, don't want to. Yeah, specify either. I don't. I don't know enough. Yeah, but I so. know that they're. When you read what they write, they're just staunchly <laughs> committed to free speech. But they you know, will stop doxing. They will they will do things to stop targeted harassment and doxing and things along those lines. Sometimes slowly, yeah. admittedly, yeah, admittedly. You know? But they want they they just want an open platform. I, I, what my point is is that I think a lot of people that are on the right feel disenfranchised mm-hmm. by these platforms that they use on a daily basis. I don't know what the percentage are the percentages are in terms of the number of people that are conservative that use Twitter versus the number of people that are liberal, but I would imagine it's probably pretty close, isn't it? I, I don't know. The numbers? I don't know because we don't ask people but what that, they're we, we'd have to idea. we'd have to infer all that okay. based on what they're let's, saying or because So let's not even go there. But yeah. then but the 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 people that run whether it's Google or Twitter or Facebook, any of these platforms, YouTube for sure, powerful leaning towards the left. Wouldn't we all agree to that? Well, I, we don't ask our employees, but my guess is that many employees at tech companies are probably liberal. I, it's really fascinating. But I also think, yeah, I mean, you point out all the companies you mentioned are ex- in exactly the same region as well yes and, and, and we, all in we do you know we do have the challenge of some monocultural thinking yes. as well but we and we you know i have said publicly that you know yes we will have more of a liberal bias within our company i said this to cnn right but that doesn't mean that we put that in our 
rules. Right. Well, you, 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 but hold on. We but hold on a second. Because what I'm getting at is that at some point in time, things have to get down to a human being looking and reviewing at cases. And if you mm-hmm. guys are so left wing in your 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 staff and the area that you live in and all these things, things are almost naturally going to lean left. If, Is that fair to say? If, if we were purely looking at the content, but a lot of this agent work is based on the behaviors, all the things that we've been t- discussing in terms of the context of the actual mm-hmm. content itself. Except, that's except that's the, what the rules are. Except the misgendering policy, right? So your your rules do reflect your your bubble, right? Go to middle, you know, go to middle America and go hang out at a conservative town. They're not going to agree with you. Your rules are based on your bubble in San Francisco or whatever city. I'm, I'm from middle America. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I I hear the point. I, I definitely hear the point in terms of like us putting this rule forth, but. We have to balance it with the fact that people are being driven away from our platform. I hear you. And they may not disagree. They may not agree with me on that, my folks from Missouri, but I think they would see some valid argument in what we're trying to do to, again, increase the opportunity for as many people as possible to talk. That's that's it. It's not driving the outcomes that you're speaking to. Where do you stop? What, What community is and isn't deserving of protection? Are conservatives not deserving of protection for their opinions? I, but I want to They're focus being driven away. on individuals and increasing the absolute number of people who have opportunity to speak on the platform in the first place. So then do you need a rule for body dysphoria? Do you need a rule for other kin? Right? I, you see what I'm asking you? You, you have a specific I rule? I see what you're asking. But like, and, and this came from a call and research. And there, there's, there's disagreement as to whether this is the right outcome or not, and this is the right policy. And yes— our bias does influence looking in this direction, and our bias does take um, our, our bias does influence us putting a rule like this in place. But it is with the understanding of creating as much opportunity as possible for as many people to speak, based on the actual data that we see right. of people leaving the platform because of experiences they have. So, why did your research stop there? It hasn't stopped. We, we, our, our rules aren't set in, in, I, in something that just stops and doesn't evolve. We're going to constantly question. We're going to constantly get feedback from right. people on every end of the spectrum of any particular issue and make changes accordingly. And to your credit, it doesn't stop. And to your credit, I really do appreciate that the fact that you're very open about that you have made mistakes and that you're continuing to learn and grow and that your company is reviewing these things and trying to figure out which way to go. And I think we all need to pay attention to the fact that this is a completely new road. This road did not exist 15 years ago. There was nothing there. That is a tremendous responsibility for any, com- any company, any group of human beings to be in control of public discourse on a scale unprecedented in human history. And that's what we're dealing with here. This is not a small thing. And I know people that have been banned to them, this is, this is a matter of ideology, this is a matter of this, this is a matter of that. There's a lot of debate. This is when he starts to get into the scalability problem. So you kind of heard their, their take on, you know, we want it to be on an individual basis. It's not about ideology. But then what I don't think that I appreciated was the astronomical scale of management that they have. I mean, I guess I kind of knew it. And in the early days, you're thinking about, oh, the growth of these social networks. But when you're talking about something like Facebook, just the sheer size of Facebook is 2.5 billion people. Mm -hmm. And the amount of servers that that must take and the infrastructure. And Twitter has 4,000 people working on it. And it's, think of how many 
billions of tweets there are a day and the, like only 25% of their users are in the United States. And so then you add in the language problem of trying to monitor conversation mm-hmm. in Indonesia, <laughs> you know, where they don't have, you know, it's easy in, in America where they can monitor this stuff. But that, that's part of the problem that they talked about was just like the scalability and the languages. And like we can only do certain things in, in America because we can speak English and, you know, only a small portion and a few hundred people are dedicated to the safety team and and so they use algorithms and sometimes it gets it wrong and it's like so he kind of talks a little bit about the scale and then you start like my mind kind of wondered to and governments think that they can control the world (laughs) so so keep that in the back of your mind as you listen to his answer here being going on here and this is one of the reasons why i wanted to bring you on because tim because you know so much about so many of these cases and so much because you are a journalist and you're you're very aware of the implications and all the problems that have been that maybe have slipped through my fingers so i I do want to make one thing really clear though i have a tremendous amount of respect and trust for you when you say you wanted to solve this problem simply because you're sitting here right now and these these other companies aren't right uh, jack you went on sam harris you were on uh, get with gad sad and that says to me a good faith effort to try and figure out how to do, do things right like so as as much as I, i'll apologize for getting kind of angry and, and being emotional because i don't see you as angry I, I look we also haven't been great at explaining our intent and there's a there's a few things going on one as Joe indicated, centralized global policy at scale is almost impossible. And and we realize... Almost impossible, <laughs> I would say. Completely impossible. Different services have different answers to this. Reddit has a community-based policy where uh, each topic, each subreddit has its own policy. And, and you know, there's, there's some benefit to that. So that's problem number one. We know that this very binary off or on platform isn't right, and it doesn't scale, and it ultimately goes against our key initiative of wanting to promote more healthier conversation. I I just don't think that's what you're doing. I and and I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But like, so but, we're, but, we're not listen. done. We're not. We're not done. We're not finished with our work, and we need to. The reason I'm going on all these podcasts and having these conversations, and ideally, Vidge is getting out there more often as well, because we don't see enough and hear enough for her. We need to have these conversations so we can learn. We can we can get the feedback and also pay attention to where the technology is going. Before the podcast, we talked a little bit about, and I talked about it on this our previous podcast and also Sam's, that technology today is enabling content to live forever in a way that was not possible before. You can say that everything on the internet lives forever, but that's not. It's generally not true because any host or any con- connection can take it down. The blockchain changes all of that. It can actually exist forever, permanently, without anyone being able to touch it, government, company, individual. And that is a reality that we need to pay attention to and really understand our value. And I believe a lot of our value in in the future, not today, again, we have a tons of we have a ton of work, is to take a strong stance of like we are going to be a company that given this entire corpus of conversation and content within the world we're going to work to promote healthy public conversation. That's what we want. That's what we want to do. And if you disagree with it, you should be able to turn it off. And well, you, you should be able to access anything that you want, as you would with the Internet. But those are technologies that are just in the formative stages and presenting new opportunities to companies like ours. And 
And there's a ton of challenges with them and a ton of things that we've discussed over the past hour that it doesn't solve and maybe exacerbates, especially around things like election interference and um, some of the regulatory concerns that you're bringing. So there's a few issues, right? Your definition of what is or isn't healthy, right? Yes, yes. And and, and we want that to be public. Like we want that we're, – we're going we, – we have four indicators right now that we're working on with an external lab. We want other labs to – we want to give it up, open source, make sure that people can comment on it, that people can help us define it. We'll use that interpretation on our own algorithms and then push it. But that has to be open. That has to be transparent. Are we there today? Absolutely not. We're not I, there. I, this, this course of action to me looks like a Fahrenheit 451 future where everything is so offensive, everything must be restricted. I see That's the path I see that you're on. You want to have a healthy conversation. You want to maximize the amount of people. That means you've got to cut off all the tall grass and level everything out. So if, 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 if you've decided that this one rule needs to be enforced because certain things are offensive – no, but can, can I explain what, what health at least means to us in this particular Absolutely, case? Yeah. So, like, we, we talked a little bit about this on the previous podcast, but, like, we, we have four indicators that we're trying to define and try to understand if there's actually something there. One is shared attention. Is a conversation generally shared around the same objects, or is it disparate? So, like, as we're having a conversation, the four of us are having a conversation, are we all focused on the same thing? Or is Joe on his phone, which you were earlier, or like whatever is going on? Because uh, more shared attention. He gets called out there, but Alex Jones was blowing him up going, I didn't know anything that I said. <laughs> and we'll, cre- we'll lead to healthier conversation. Number two is shared reality. Not whether something is factual. And then it goes into an ad. So you'll just have to, that was uh, like hour, hour, one hour and 40 minutes in if you want to continue on that. But because uh, I don't want to bore you because you're here to hear us and not hear them. But I wanted you to, like, I feel like those two clips kind of give you the, the totality of the conversation. So you don't need to go watch all of it. But uh, what did you guys hear in there that, that you were surprised by or kind of developed a thought? The one imagery that I got from it was the whole Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. If you haven't read the book, read it. It's pretty neat. That and Harrison Berger. Even but, just go watch the movie, the new oh, yeah. movie with, uh, I forget the actor's name, but it's really War, pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, Killmonger in it. Um, <laughs> no one? Oh, fine then. Screw yeah, it all, you guys. Yeah. But anyways, the idea that, like, if you think about it, like, at a Fahrenheit 451, um, what Twitter, like, kicks everyone out, everything's offensive, and then, like, you're banned, so everyone, like, instead of you have a book, you have a meme. This is your meme that you're bringing. <laughs> so you got all these people out in the woods. It's like, um, you know, you know, they got their own little memes, right? You know? Basically, the the, the sh- long story short, uh, they Did I just spoil that book for like for people. No, no, because it's a really good book. But long story short, technology basically takes over and they start erasing literature and yeah, they, yeah, they change books and you can get you can get you can get an ebook, but the ebook has been censored by the central authority of kind of what the PC police find to be okay and acceptable, mm-hmm. and all the beauty, all the magic of everything is taken out of it. And there's these firefighters who go in and fight knowledge basically so i mean when i I haven't read the book but i watched the movie i think it was on showtime or cinemax or hbo or something i got a book um you haven't read yet yeah but it it was i mean you watch it and you go that it's not it's not 1984 that's the future 
uh, where everybody is so they're they're watching their telescreens, mm-hmm. you know, and that you're being fed from the central authorities what what the the proper information is, and then those who have the memes of knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the book Deuteronomy memes, uh, they have the ability to um, to. Like they would, people memorize books basically, so the knowledge is never forgotten. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, anyways, you memorize the books, and that's why they can't burn it. Yeah, but it's it's really of the dystopian novels. It's probably the where we're going. (laughs) You kind of mix a Harrison Bergeron when they get everyone down to like an average. Yeah, bringing it, and it seems like that's what public schools is doing to people, just bringing like the people who are really up there, bringing you down. Right, right. Um, What did you kind of take out of some of that? You know, I'm not as pessimistic as you guys are, as Tim is, you know. (laughs) I think technology is going to eventually free us and make a lot of government obsolete. And um, the big thing I'm taking from this is that Twitter is not censoring ideas. It's just targeted harassment. And and then Tim Pool's big thing as well, you consider misgendering someone targeted harassment. And He brings up the Ben Shapiro example who intentionally uses – well, I'm sorry. You have to. You're a biological man, so I'm going. I consider you a man. I will use your pronouns to your face out of politeness, but Bruce Jenner is Bruce Jenner and not Caitlyn Jenner, and so he intentionally inflames that point, trying to dare mm-hmm. Twitter to remove him because he knows the reaction that that would get from his following. Well, I guess according to what they're saying, that that just just expressing that opinion is not bannable. It's just when you're talking to an individual. So right. if someone is like, "Look, I'm a woman now." And then if Ben Shapiro says, nope, I'm going to call you a he, I'm going to call you right. a man. They and see then, that as targeted that, harassment. That's harassment, you know. Right. And, and yeah, maybe, you know, some people won't see it as harassment, but some people do. And I think harassment is in the ear of the beholder, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know. And, and again, the, the, Twitter's trying to uh, look after their bottom line. And I think something he said, too, is that we looked into there's a high suicide rate in this community and – and, you know, we want to be make sure we're not going to be a part of that. And I think as a human being, if you own a company and you're allowing a policy that may lead to someone to get harassed and then they end up killing themselves, that's obviously you might feel horrible about that. I would, mm-hmm. you know, right. and then, oh, yeah. then the press would be terrible. I mean, there's. I don't. I don't know if you could get sued for something like that, but I'm sure some lawyer will try it out. And you, oh, you fight can get off. sued for anything. Yeah, you got to fight them off in court, and then yeah. so. You know, and I think a lot of times these companies are afraid to talk about the bottom line because our culture is, you know, if you are kind of appealing to leftists, you can't talk about making a profit. Right. It's just that's just you know horrible profit. You know, you got to talk about oh, we're here for free speech for all people and blah blah blah. But really, what I'm hearing is I want more customers and I want to yeah. go by the policy that will get me the most customers and that will drive away the least customers. And mm-hmm. I think people that maybe are on the right. They're not going to be as sensitive to drive themselves off the platform as much. I think they're not as they're not the predominant culture. Yeah, like, you know, I I saw someone post. Uh, I I got all the way to the end of the Instagram stories today because I was I had an hour and I was bored, so I was looking for memes uh, for my Instagram story and wall. Uh, and you know, I saw I, there's this one feminist that is here locally that I'm friends with, and like she always posts feminist stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she posted something about a stripper and the greatest revolution is like throwing it in their face or something along those lines. And I kind of went, what is countercultural about being a stripper? 
it, you know, or like, what is countercultural about being a member of the LGBT community at this point? Like, maybe in your local community, if you're in the Deep South, maybe that's countercultural for the people that you're around. But for the media that we bathe in, for the overarching culture, it has in the last 10 years become predominantly left, secular. It's become um, anti religious, you know pro-sexual freedom like the the things that when we were in high school you know those of us who are in our 30s that were countercultural like i went to the pride parades in the 2000s because it was countercultural hmm. it's not that, like going to a pride parade now is not countercultural like yeah. mm-hmm. i i just don't think that people of the left really understand that they're now in charge yeah <laughs> and it's and right. it's not the christian conservatives like when we were kids mm-hmm. You're the man that you're fighting. You look ridiculous because they're, you're the man now. Yeah, exactly. I, I was a Howard Stern fan my whole life, and right. I'm, I'm your age, so I remember the 2000s, George Bush era, right. after the Jan, uh, wardrobe malfunction, right. the Super Bowl. The FCC went down hard to him, gave him all kind of fines. You had every family organization, you had every religious right organization I, coming I, down. I work for a show yeah. that had a lot of risque comedy bits that were, you know, kind of uh, your typical boomer male boob butts beard mm-hmm. like you know sex this playboy that kind of stuff and you know we we in that era i was not there obviously but after janet jackson you couldn't play a lot of the bits because yeah. the conservatives considered it too dirty the christian right considered it too dirty we can't play those bits now because the the progressive left <laughs> thinks that it's too inappropriate you know in the me too era which i i kind of in some ways agree with some of it but like it shifted like yeah, in the last 25 years it's totally shifted yeah big time and, and you yeah. know this is why the worst thing we can do is tell the government to level the playing field right because if you're on the right and you think well they're going to level it for me because i'm being oppressed today i mean it's going to in 10 years from now it's going to flip around again it's yeah. going to flip around again and we're all going to be oppressed and especially right. libertarians and anti-war people we're the ones that we're going to get the boot either way you know, we're yeah. going to get... If you're anti-state... No yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're screwed either way. So for right. us, anyone on our team to say, we need to get regulation because it's become a utility at this point. Social media is dominating so much. We're, we're going to be first one screwed. Right. We're, I mean, we're yeah. just done. Yeah. And that's like the worst thing to do is to get the government into mm-hmm. social media, into regulating, because that secures the power of Twitter and Facebook and right. Instagram. Oh, well, that too. Yeah. And then, then, then no competition will come in. I mean, think Correct. about if you had to get a license from the government to operate a social media platform, mm-hmm. you'll have to be a multimillionaire to begin with just to start one, mm-hmm. as opposed to being in your garage like Twitter and Facebook and these guys mm-hmm. just are college kids with no money and yeah. they just started something up you, you won't be able to do that once the government starts regulating and yeah. and having licenses and they're going to control the algorithms now right yeah the other thing that you were just um going back to your point i remember yeah going to like my first pride parade and that was like yeah, it was very counterculture it, and telling it, it people was me making it was me it was, making a statement mm-hmm. as as a person from a conservative background a christian background it was me making a statement as a libertarian that i stand with this community yeah and now that doesn't going doesn't make the same statement you know what i mean like it it doesn't it just doesn't like it's if and i think that's why gen z i think is more is more conservative they're the most conservative generation since the uh the greatest generation the world war ii generation because to be a catholic 
That's and cool. to be a Ben Shapiro fan is mm-hmm. to be countercultural in schools. Like right. my my 13-year-old cousin that does the podcast, look up Politicast. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will be thrilled if he got <laughs> some subscribers on YouTube. I I got him like I doubled him to like 18 subscribers <laughs> and he he could nice. not believe that. So Politicast, it's my little cousin. He's 13 and he's been taking my advice. He's a very smart kid. Uh, I tell him just do the news, don't do opinion. You're you're not going to think the same thing in, in 25 years, and so you don't want this ha- hanging over you. Uh, but it's very cute what he does. But he has like his little Ben Shapiro sweatshirt and his little Ben Shapiro cup, and he has like two sets in his room that he's built. It's it's very cute. Um, but you know he is he wants to read Ben Shapiro books, and he wants to read. You know he's very he just finished Basic econ- Economics by Thomas Sowell. You know, and it was, and I, I'm like, I can't even get through that. You know, so he's a very smart kid. Um, yet, yet you have the Bible next to your toilet. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a long two weeks, Harry. <laughs> so when you have food poisoning, I, I, not just the Bible, I've got the ESV Study Bible on the toilet. And if you're a Christian, you know that's some hardcore reading. Um, there's a lot of articles in there. Uh, but, but no, I think like, you know, he's very thirsty for knowledge because he's so bathing in a culture that he wants to rebel against. And what better way than to read Thomas soul, to read the Bible, to go Mm -hmm. to mass, to go, you know, and I, I just look at him saying to his teachers, like, I want to read this and why aren't you letting me read this? You know, and the, the easy cop out for everybody is, Oh, no politics, no politics. But, like if you're reading the handmaid's tale mm-hmm. this, this is where the left got really smart it, i want you to go to wikipedia not you guys but when you get some time <laughs> um look up critical theory and just research the background of critical theory it, it is basically marxists knew that after the soviet union economically they couldn't make it work so what they did is they created critical theory they were in these ivy league schools and they said let's Let's re-examine with a critical eye all the classics and the Bible and all the institutions of Western society and the, the Western canon from a Marxist critique. Uh, let's, let's use culture to start eroding those, those values and reinterpreting things from a postmodern view, which says whatever you think it says is what it says. And when you watch the Oscars now, you see critical theory in mass. You see... You know, you see the Marxist ideology and people promoting it without really knowing what they're doing. Like, if you understand critical theory and you understand Saul Alinsky, you understand everything that drives you crazy about the the, the media, about Hollywood, about Democratic politicians, about their advocacy groups that, that are supporting them. You just see the useful idiots that don't understand what they're doing. They're reinterpreting society in a way that... Those of us in the middle of middle America, you guys may not agree with me, but, you know, like, I think we don't have to. Like, that's the beauty of individualism. I can live from the Christian ethic, and you can live from the postmodern ethic, and you can live from the Stoic ethic, and you can live from the Jewish ethic. You can live from uh, the, the Wiccan ethic. Like, you can choose how you want to live as long as we get along with each other. It's a mutual cooperation. We respect mm-hmm. each other. I treat you with dignity. I don't hit you. You don't hit me. You don't put a gun to my head and say, nope, you need to be a Muslim now. Like that, that's what libertarianism is about. And what critical theory teaches is no, you need to do this or we're going to shame you because you're a heretic. Like it's, it's, we're really at a point where 
like there was an article recently this is this is going to be the next big thing you watch mark my words the things we say here two years later you start seeing it everywhere in the news the new big thing is that if you don't want to have sex with a trans person or date a man if you're a man you are homophobic or transphobic it's not about getting me to kiss a guy it is about getting me to publicly say that I will not kiss a guy <laughs> or go on a date with a trans person because me saying something that is countercultural like that identifies to everybody else that I'm a heretic. It's about heretical thought. And so the, the scourges of Twitter, they don't really care about defending the rights of the people that they say they're defending they really care about identifying heretics and then burning them at the stake it's the same brain as the spanish inquisition it's the same strain of thinking as the salem witch trials it's just wrapped up in identity politics now you know and so jack doesn't understand at what level his company participates in that mob mentality i don't think well we're going to need the human race to want to, you know, to jump the shark and finally start, you know, dating outside their comfort zone, having sex without their comfort zone. Because when the humanity, if becomes, you're having I, sex mm. with me, you're having sex outside <laughs> of your comfort zone. I believe me. Well, I'm I, a personality choice. Well, the people that you have sex with, they're doing humanity a great service. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, because, I'm cranky. Yeah, because when humans become a multi, you know, planet species, and we run into, you know, like who knows what out there. You know, we're going to have to bang them, okay? <laughs> Whatever we right. find, you know, and we've got to That's be comfortable right. with that. You're going to have to. I'm definitely okay with that. Half Romulan, mm-hmm. half human, right. yeah. Right. You know, I think, you know, Spangle settling down with a nice Klingon woman, <laughs> you know, would be good for you. Does it have to be Klingon? I don't know that I could get past the forehead. Otherwise, you're wrong. I've you always to, you have to say you were willing to bang a Klingon person. I, I have always enjoyed a distinct nose, but that goes too far. <laughs> uh no, but do you understand my point? It's, yes, it's yes. that it is about identifying who is not down for the cause. And the scary thing is you say that, it's, you can see the rumblings of that coming, mm-hmm. you know, because it's starting. It's like they're um, testing it. Yeah. You know, they're bringing it up to some people. It starts in Boston or, mm-hmm. or at mm-hmm. college campuses. And then eventually it rolls out because it, it catches on like a virus in people who just live by groupthink. Which is what a lot of these leftist mobs do, and, and a lot of conservative mobs too. I think there's a lot of and, and libertarian mobs. Like that's part of what our Bill Weld episode was about: was the NPCs in the libertarian movement. Mm-hmm. You can have very fundamental disagreements with Bill Weld, but if you don't want to listen to what Bill Weld had to say, you're an NPC. Like I'm just virtue signaling, so all the other Mises Caucus guys like me. Yeah, you know. Right. Like, I'm just going to support Bill Weld so the Pragmatic Caucus is down with me. Like, that's, you're an NPC. You're not, you're not a a critical thinker. And I think we have to be better. Um, the other thing that I saw in that was just the scale of it. You know, and, and, and he took some pushback from some people on my, on my social media, um, by saying, we're not finished yet. We haven't figured all this out yet. And people are like, well, why not? And, and this was from a person who, Doug, Doug Carr, who's been on the show, talked about social media, said, eh, that's thoroughly unconvincing. I go, Doug, you're, you're in tech marketing technology. Like, you're in tech. Mm-hmm. You work in IT. Uh, you, know, you look at We Are Libertarians and just the evolution of We Are Libertarians. March 8th was our seventh anniversary. Uh, so we are officially seven now. Uh, so we're one dog year. Um, and look at the evolution. We're on our fifth 
generation of co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know Harry when I started this program, you know, and yeah. Harry's here every week now. Uh, yeah, when you when crazy. you when you yeah. work on a tech project, when you work on something, it constantly evolves. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, they have to evolve uh, evolve because yeah. eventually competition will. I mean, if, if they are going to take this to the conclusion that Tim Pool thinks they're going to take it to, they're going to kick a lot of people off and they're mm-hmm. going to lose a lot of customers and then someone else is going to soak up those customers yeah. and eventually a better platform will emerge providing the government stays out of the way and doesn't, you know, yeah. s- protect the monopoly. So, yeah, I mean, they have to evolve and they have to constantly get better and constantly seek new new customers. Otherwise, they will die. Like every every major company and every industry that was a giant at one time, they used to swear, this guy will never fall. Ten years later, they're filing bankruptcy. GM was the biggest corporation yeah. in the world. They filed bankruptcy, and they, they would be gone today if the government didn't bail them out. They'd be off the face of the earth forever. They, right. They need to go away. So does Dodge <laughs> and their crappy transmissions. They all just need to go away, even though Dodge just now started buying Toyota transmissions. Good move. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> So they're evolving. There you go. <laughs> but like, then you got what the uh, Facebook does is they constantly keep buying out their competition. So Twitter's evolving and keeps getting and yeah. d- doing different things. While Facebook is just like, wow, that's a threat. Buy them mm-hmm. while they're small. Yeah. Well, that, that, that works until it doesn't work because, right. okay, I'm going to start a new uh, new company. You give me $10 million two years later, then I'll start a new you – know, so eventually right. you run out of money that, when there's so many more competitors yeah. coming up. That's why they're like – that's why Facebook <laughs> went, please regulate us Yeah, I, because I, they I, know they can't keep doing that. Yeah, I think Facebook is way scarier than Twitter because if you notice, when, when Zuckerberg came in uh, to the congressional testimony, what, a few months later, all these libertarian pages got booted off the platform, yeah. especially anti-war pages. Mm-hmm. And, and not just like sort of right-wing pages, but the, the anti-police or the police accountability pages. The fringier. Which, yeah. You, you look yeah. at the anti-vax people being kicked off. Yeah, yeah um, and, and you would think a lot of this would be good for leftists. You would think mm-hmm. police accountability pages that expose the police brutality would be you know something that 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 would be good from that point of view but they're they're more about the government and i think than sort of culture so yeah. let, let me go ahead oh one thing i was going to say like that was also to your point that zuck is more scarier is that you know we know that facebook records everything that you type into facebook they record that even if you go back and delete it they still record it and keep that they facebook has gone occasion and like it says, no, no, read, read your private messages. We read your private messages and serve you ads based off your private messages. Yeah. Twitter goes like, no, we don't do that. Yeah, you know, no, I, I think, think we have that capability. I think yeah. Facebook is is clearly – Facebook and YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is owned by Google, are, are the Alpha, two – Are the two Alphabet, m- Google. Alphabet are the two biggest violators. I think Facebook is easily the creepiest. Mm-hmm. It is the unhealthiest, yes. I think, in terms of our brains. Yep. Both Instagram and Facebook are the most addictive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they are just they're bad actors, you know. And and they were my they have been my favorite for a long time. But I, I just I find myself using these platforms a lot less. Uh, I use Instagram probably too much, but that's just because I'm searching for memes for business. Mm. Yeah. Um, but th- there there are times where you wake up after an hour and you just kind of go, "Wow, I have been looking at my phone for an hour now." You know, yeah. and it's hard to break out of that sometimes. Yeah. And that's one good thing with the newest version of the Android operating system is that it alerts. You can leave a time alert on apps. Yeah. So, like, if you've been in an app for too long, you'll beep, 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 hey, yeah. got this app. I turned it off because it was annoying me because <laughs> kept telling me I had to lock the – so uh, Zero Hedge. Do you guys know Zero Hedge? Yep. 
Um, how would you characterize Zero Hedge? You know, I don't follow them, but I see a lot of their stuff, and I, I would say they're more. They're kind of like a, a Joe Joe Rogan. They'll, they'll entertain a lot of different fringe yeah. uh, type of things, and, and they'll they'll do a lot of libertarian types things, and they'll do things that Alex Jones might talk about, and right. And you know, some of the stuff I'll read it looks pretty ridiculous, but they're kind of. I would say their worldview is is pretty interesting, and if you think about it critically, there's a lot of good stuff you can pull out of it, and you can kind of put the yeah, they're business others. focused, yeah, and they'll they'll cover fringy stuff uh, within the business world. They're the anti CNBC. It's not corporate. It's not sanitized. Uh, well, Zero Hedge over the weekend, we were surprised to learn uh, this is Zero Hedge writing this that some readers were prevented by Facebook when attempting to share Zero Hedge articles. Subsequently, if it emerged, virtually every attempt to share or merely mention an article, including in private messages, would be actively blocked by the world's largest social network with the explanation, the link you tried to visit goes against our community standards. Uh, we were especially surprised by this action that as, as neither prior to this seemingly arbitrary act of censorship nor since were we contacted by Facebook with an explanation of what quote, community standard had been violated or what particular filter or article had triggered the blanket rejection of all Zero Hedge content. To be sure, as for-profit enterprise with its own unique set of corporate ethics, Facebook has every right to impose whatever filters it desires on the media shared on its platform. It is entirely possible that one or more posts was flagged by Facebook's triggered readers who were merely alerted a censorship algo which blocked all content. Alternatively, it is possible that Facebook simply decided to no longer allow its users to share our content in retaliation for our extensive coverage of what some have dubbed the platform's, quote, many problems, including chronic privacy violations, mass abandonment by younger users, its gross and ongoing misrepresentation of fake users, ironically in retrospect, its systematic censorship and backdoor government cooperation. Those are just links from the past few weeks. Unfortunately, as noted above, we still don't know what event precipitated this censorship, and any attempts to get feedback from the con- company within the $500 billion market cap have gone unanswered. Uh, we would welcome this opportunity to dialogue with them. Um, so, you know, when we, when we did a Facebook Live with the Liberty Meme guys, after that banning of 600 and then 800 pages, mostly with li- a libertarian or anti-state bent, uh, I did a Facebook Live interview with uh with peter gay uh i i posted both of them you know and i was on their platform criticizing them and then lo and behold they mm-hmm. find uh me saying uh, a, a slur mm-hmm. an anti-semitic slur where basically i said to someone uh seven days prior on as the we are libertarians page I had said, you're basically making the argument that a good German would make that it maybe these Jews are a problem, which was a historical argument basically saying, like, don't you understand that if you see tyranny, you should act on it instead of making an excuse for it? Um, but I did it in what I thought was a more provocative way. I was not calling anyone anything. I was not smearing anyone of any particular faith in any way, shape, or form, and yet I was banned for 30 days after having only one previous ban of one day. Mm. So I should have gotten another one or maybe a three-day ban. But 30 days took me out before the midterms Mm. and really uh, drove down the usage of of Facebook for both me and We Are Libertarians right before the 2018 midterms. So um, I have no doubt that, that they scanned my page, they scanned everything that I've done looking for some reason 
to 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 ban me that mm-hmm. fit their community standards because I was on their platform complaining about them. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of companies do this. PayPal's famous for it. Uh, you know, we love PayPal here. We use PayPal. PayPal's uh, great. We would never mm-hmm. say anything bad about PayPal. Uh, we use it, uh, but, except when they do bad stuff. No, they never do anything bad. Shut your mouth. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> PayPal banned big league politics Luke Roffling uh, two weeks ago from its platform mere months after he exposed the online payment processor's funding of an illegal immigration group that has provided services to those that encourage illegal immigration. Uh, he did not use his PayPal account to receive donations, payments, or conduct business as a reporter, but simply used it to expedite, expedite payments and increase security on various websites. Um, they say that the termination of his account was deci- decided on his activities relating to the uses, usage of PayPal security. Um, so basically he did an expose on the conservative-leaning site Big League Politics about PayPal, and he was denied service. Uh, Joe Biggs and several other folks who are connected to uh, Infowars or some some other, quote, fringy sites – have have had their Chase accounts terminated. Mm-hmm. I use both PayPal and Chase to conduct everything. Uh, you know, I I'm a big fan of both. I love both. I would never criticize either. <laughs> um, but I think it's it's troubling when we get into a, a place where we're now messing with people's money over their their speech. It's really scary because banks, they're, they're not independent at all. I mean, right. they're partners in government, and nowadays their early cash is almost the way of the past, and they're mm-hmm. trying to make a cashless society. So, I mean, once you can control someone's entire, you know, paycheck and their whole, their all, all their finances, now you really have them, you know, yeah. by the by the balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what can you do then once you have no bank account? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, even more businesses are going without giving actual physical checks. It's direct deposit or oh, nothing, yeah. or they'll give you like a net spend card. Yeah, well, it saves the money that way too, and mm-hmm. it's convenient mm-hmm. for most people. Yeah, and that and and that drives back to the point of the real reason for cryptocurrency is the idea to be able to transfer, um, you know, uh, just wealth between individuals for services rendered With, without corporation or government mm-hmm. at all getting involved. Yeah, Correct. I, you can I, just do it. Yeah. That's why secretly, whenever I hear these PayPal things, these bank bans, I feel bad for the individual that suffers through this ban. Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking like. All right, you know, one more, uh, one more new one on board, one more nail in the coffin for the old system. They're they're right. they're, they're playing themselves in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's why they're trying to get on the crypto bandwagon, but they don't understanding. It's like people may use them in the future for cold storage of offline um, uh, wallets and stuff like that, or just to hold different stuff. But that's about it. Like to them, I you know because they can't if they do fractionals or. This is I'm not going to get into that, <laughs> but the, the, yeah, you're right. They're, they are displaying themselves because you can have transactions merchant to merchant without actually having to carry the cash with mm-hmm. you know with cryptocurrency, cutting them out, and that's the whole. That's the biggest point of crypto is like I'm cutting you out, and then you cannot know the transactions I've been transacting. So if I want to go and donate to antiwar.com, I don't have to worry about the FBI knowing that I donated antiwar.com and getting on some sort of list, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing on in our update here, um, if you search, this is from The Verge, if you search Brie Larson on YouTube a couple of days ago, the top search results were calls for a boycott of Captain Marvel. 
and angry rants about Larson's involvement in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. With one small change, YouTube made all of that disappear. Uh, isn't Marvel Disney? Yes. Okay. Just let that sink in. Uh, this Everything's week, Disney. Though. Right. <laughs> this week, YouTube recategorized Brie Larson as a newsworthy search item. That does one very important job. It makes the search algorithm surface videos from authoritative sources on a subject. Instead of videos from individual creators, YouTube responds with videos from Entertainment Tonight, ABC, Disney, CBS, CNN, and other news outlets. Um, this was rolled out in October 2017 following mass criticism over YouTube search favoring conspiracy videos, that blanket term that just automatically makes you uh, un- unlistenable, um, over actual news after a mass shooting at a Las Vegas music festival. The change from the algorithmic search that comes from labeling an event as news can be seen below in this uh, Verge article from March 7th. Um, shows exactly how that has been done. And I've shown this in a video when I was prepping for our Venezuela episode. When you search Venezuela or Maduro, you get the Deutsche Welle service. You get Agent Press service from France. You get NPR. You get BBC. You get RT, government-owned news agencies presenting information. Uh, you get ABC. You get CNN. You get, you know... CBC? You, you don't get... Uh, I finally found Jimmy Dore because I had to find him, and he had, of course, on Abby Martin, who draws a paycheck from the Venezuelan government. So she wasn't exactly uh, uh, pro-America or uh, anti-Maduro. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you don't see in the search results for Venezuela anything coming from alternative sources. You only see what we don't want to see from YouTube, which is what we can see on our television. You want to see alternative information. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the point of YouTube, mm-hmm. is you're an alternative. Correct, yeah. And you have to go, and your subscription don't do anything, and you have to go ring that stupid bell, and they bury a lot of Mox News. I don't know if you guys ever watch any of Mox. I, I used to see Mox News. Yeah. I don't anymore. Yeah, a.k.a. the C-SPAN junkie. A lot of the time, like, if you see me post videos of like that, of uh, just news articles or C-SPAN, this comes from Mox News. I try to donate to him once a, at least once a month. He's a really cool guy, but he does all the work of watching C-SPAN all hours, recording it and pumping it on youtube really cool guy um but his stuff will get like depending on what he's picked up like a news result he'll it'll just get buried and just kept, he actually had his channel like had several different channels just nuked a couple of times we're talking yeah. about yeah just archives of news footage that's easy to accessible just nuked yeah so i find this interesting because the whole reason be- youtube became popular in these, these- is because you got information you didn't get on your TV. This is something that's different and new. And now yeah. that they're big and, and they're and, you know, they're making money and they're taking money from corporations to put their their uh, websites on top first, you wonder if there's going to be just a new a new platform coming up that caters yeah. to that you know, the, those, those alternatives. And nobody's going to do the alternative thing. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like I just I don't know how often I turn on my. Twitter or my Facebook app, and I just go, don't care, don't care. Like, whenever I see two specific congresswomen, I am now hiding the pages, even if it's reason. I just don't care anymore. I don't, I don't want to see them. I don't care that Donald Trump signed a Bible. I don't care. Like, my whole attitude has shifted over the last couple months because I'll tell you why. The Covington kid thing really reprioritized things for me. Because I was getting too into the the news cycle, mm-hmm. 
And after that, I realized I violated my own value system. I need to take a look at how I'm viewing the news, how I'm viewing social media, how much time I'm spending on it. And I have spent two months really kind of away from it all. And, uh, and I need to keep it up because I've kind of been seduced a little bit over the last few days as I've kind of been prepping a little bit to see what people are talking about. And I just got to be honest, like, I just don't care about what most of the stuff I see on any, like, I just don't care what Ocasio-Cortez is a Green New Deal. I'll do a program about it. But at the end of the day, the Green Dune deal is not going to happen. The, the unions came out today, which they play a central role in, and said, this is BS, no thank you. Mm-hmm. It's done now. Like, like what Ocasio-Cortez says and thinks is ultimately irrelevant in the grand scheme of politics. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I just – trying to have a healthier relationship with social media, and it was the Covington Kids stuff that really changed it for me. And – I just and and what that really means is I just don't care don't care like literally I want you to do this exercise and and report back to me not just you guys but the listeners when you get on social media or you read the news ask yourself do I care about this does this matter or just look at it and go don't care don't care see how many times you say don't care it's almost every post Mm -hmm. because when your priorities are straight when you're focusing on your your mental life, your physical life, your spiritual life, your emotional life, your family, your job, like you're putting those priorities ahead of social media. Mm-hmm. You really stop caring about most of the news. You just open it up and you go, I don't care. You don't even have to delete your account and make a big post about how you're not mm-hmm. doing this anymore and I'm going away forever and I'm not. You just have to not care. And, it, and trust me, I learned this with my first wife. If you ignore something, they'll go away. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of how I'm approaching it. I've never been a big social media guy or a news guy, to be honest. I just never follow too much. That's, yeah. that's why I love podcasts so much. I can just put them on, listen to something that I'm already interested in, and I can hear different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I, you know, I think there is still a a, uh, a demand for the alternative views, and I think there always yeah. will be platforms that come up and service that demand. And as these major companies shift away from that. I think they're going to dig their own graves unless they can somehow get in bed with the government and get protection and get licensing. And that's the only way they can survive. And that's why I think, you know, Facebook and Google, why they're the scariest, because I think they know that already. Whereas Twitter doesn't know that. Like even Jack said in the interview, when they asked about regulation, he says, well, he doesn't view regulation as a way for a company to get a leg up. He said he views it, you know. He, he had a hard time explaining what he thought regulation was good for, which is mm-hmm. a good thing because yeah. he, he just kind of said like, uh, well, it's good to protect individuals, I guess. So, But I think he was trying to walk, walk a tightrope. But he, he, it's good to hear him say that I don't think regulation should be used to give a certain company an advantage. And that's why I kind of appreciate what he's doing and more. And, and before all this, I really kind of went with the mob a little more, just kind of like, yeah, this guy sucks, you know, he's banning these people. But right. now I kind of more appreciate who he is and what he's coming from, and, and of course the um, the tremendous uh, job that these companies have to deal with. And now I'm more anti Facebook and Google than ever. Yeah, there you go. Well, if the social networks take any cue from the old dying media uh, that is print and some things in radio, they understand they have to evolve. It's not that people don't want to listen to talk radio. People love talk. The problem is the 
the way that the FCC and the governments have controlled it. Mm-hmm. And just the same way with local, um, most different mediums. People want that medium. People still buy books and still buy paper, uh, newspapers, but the medium is so heavily controlled, it's, you know, it kind of went stale and people went to get that information they want other places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of companies, when they get big, they get, they, you know, they kind of uh, miss out on the next wave. Like uh, Blockbuster had a chance to buy Netflix like way early for like mm-hmm. a few million dollars. And, they were, you know, they thought, yeah, this, come on, this is, this is a fad. And now they're out of business. You know, they were once the biggest and best company. And, 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 and history has shown us all these companies that start from nothing, they get huge. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to a certain point, they just can't maneuver. Whereas the economy and other companies are maneuvering and competition's scrapping at them. And mm-hmm. they just can't stay in business unless they can get a handout. Like sure, GM yeah. did. That's, that's the only reason why they're around today. GM, so let's right? go. Let's do this together. Let's go through my Facebook feed. Uh, number one, <laughs> Ocasio Cortez tries to knock out Wells Fargo CEO during questioning and embarrasses herself instead from uh, the blaze. Pass advertisement. Yeah, right. uh, here's some. Here's something I do care about from Channel Six. Here, uh, the history and future of an old White Castle building. <laughs> mm, I care um, about that. We've got uh, the, the the wild story about rich people buying uh, college seeds for their kids. That's awesome. I didn't know that was a, like I didn't know that was unknown. I thought everyone just kind of assumed that. Happened. Right? Yeah. Like, is that all, news? Yeah. We I, all I, met that kid. Like, right. That's, that's just what happens. I thought. Yeah, we've all met that kid. Like, how are you here? How are you forced to park on campus? <laughs> uh, Al Green from Fox News. Rep Al Green on impeachment vote. Bigotry is impeachable. I don't care. Uh, DeVos moves to ease church state rules in education. Mm, Don't care because it's not really going to matter. This was posted by the New York Times. So, of course, it's a flame war. Um, Great great meme by the beautiful and wonderful Trisha Stewart. Uh, Great meme there. Yeah. So, like, I'm training my algo to start. All right. Babylon B. Ooh, Wayne Allen Root. All right. Let's unfollow (laughs) Wayne Allen Root. Okay. Um, To uh, get better ads on Facebook. Um, take out your gender on it, uh-huh. and then just start viewing um, lady underwear, and that's all you're asking. <laughs> Is that your excuse, Harry? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, honey, I was just changing the algorithm. I wasn't changing the algorithm. <laughs> that's all. Amazing ads. Uh, Changes yeah. your ads on YouTube too. When you look up a video, sh- mm, look at this video. Look at what I got. So let's let's uh, Let me change the algorithm real quick. Who's to blame for all of this? Clearly, it's the media. I was going to say Spangle, but keep going. Right. Um, so this is from Variety back September 17, 2018, and they mentioned this in the Rogan inter- interview, um, how YouTube's far right is using classic influencer tactics to promote its views, uh, courtesy of Data and Society. Now, who's Data and Society? It's Rebecca Lewis from the New York-based nonprofit Data and Society, recently anavi- analyzed a network of 61 influencers aqua- across 81 channels. Some of the YouTubers included in Lewis's analysis are widely known as fringe right-wing activists like Milo and Richard Spencer and Mike Cernovich and Gavin McInnes. Um, you know, like Mike Cernovich and Gavin McInnes and Milo Yiannopoulos and Richard Spencer don't believe the same things. But they're, they're wildly different. They're yes. wildly oh, different yeah. if you listen to them. Like, and, and so... This data and society, you know, I want to go look at data and society. Let's just do this because I didn't – I should have done this ahead of time. Okay. Um, so like everything. let's go <laughs> right about uh, – we want to be transparent about where our money comes from. Okay, this ought to be good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
the uh, issues that we address are complex, a bunch of marketing bullshit, frameworks and strengthen the diversity of our network, statement of independence, uh, funding and partners, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, ACLU, Alfred P. Sloan, uh, Open Society Foundation, so there's George Soros, um, the... Let's see here. Uh, John and Catherine, a lot of the people who fund NPR, the Ford Foundation, um, UNICEF, okay, mm-hmm. uh, WK Kellogg Foundation, Microsoft, a lot of Microsoft money flowing into this. New America, the New York Times funds them, okay? So <laughs> they they have in for they have general project in kind and event support. So they haven't necessarily received money from these people. Um, let's see what's in their uh, financial statement. Let's see who is actually – why are you shaking your head? What's going on? It's riveting. In the chat. Oh, is, is it boring? <laughs> um, you know, so th- basically this group is just a leftist group. And mm-hmm. so they created a study networking together mm-hmm. all the alt-right uh, and – Lo and behold, YouTube needs to ban all these people because Media Matters has said so. Um, so, however, Lewis quickly noticed these right-wing YouTubers frequently appeared on other shows, including some hosted by more mainstream conservative libertarian YouTubers. That's wh- why she included YouTubers like conservative commentator Candace Owens, Rogan, and Dave Rubin in her analysis. Yeah, so she could tie him to Richard Spencer. Um, Plotting out guest appearances of far-right YouTubers, she discovered a tight-knit alternative influence network. Many of these YouTubers are less defined by any single ideology than they are by a reactionary position, a general opposition to feminism, social justice, or left-wing politics, she wrote in her report. Um, in that network, self-proclaimed libertarian and conservative YouTubers play a key role in promoting racist and white nationalist views. That's because in many instances, they host members of the far right on their shows without effectively challenging their point of view. There is a really slippery nature to this, Lewis said in a media call. Um, <coughs> so um, motives, she writes, far right YouTubers regularly cast themselves as an alternative to mainstream media, and they paint a picture of political prosecu- persecution against conservative and far right points of view. I don't think you need to paint that. I think that's like, and you're starting to see that like Fox News, uh, MSNBC did an expose as Fox News propaganda now uh, is uh, <coughs> like you saw at CNN. I'm Brian Stelzer. Has Fox News gone too far this past weekend on his show? Mm. Um, they uh, avoid words that would get them banned. Um, so, <laughs> right, maybe because the, uh, so they don't want they want to say the n word. They just don't sure. say that. Yeah, is what they're saying. I can also read minds. Right. Uh, they should. And so after this, after the, uh, I mean, this is just Variety posting this. Um, but after this art, after this report came out and they did a media blitz because they had $3 million to put into this, this, uh, this networking algorithm where they have this, this cool little map Mm -hmm. that, uh, they put together and you see like on this map, you see Stefan Molyneux and Lauren Southern and Sargon of Akkad links to Black Pigeon Speaks who goes to, uh, V who goes to. 
Kraut and T, whoever they are, who goes to oh, Andy Worski, <coughs> who goes to Sticks and Hammer 666, who goes to Richard Spencer, who goes to Blair White, who goes to Dave Rubin, who goes to Prager, who goes to Rogan, who goes to James O'Keefe, who goes to jo- Paul Joseph Watson. So you just don't go on the Kumite. If you never went on the Kumite, you'd be fine. <laughs> I'm probably the only one here that's seen the See, Kumite. when I'm choking and drinking, that's when you guys need to talk. I thought everyone was pausing because I said the Kumite, and everyone kind of looked at me like, the Kumite? No, I was... going to go I out in the woods and have a Kumite. Choking to death. Hmm. I was wondering what a Kumite is. It's this awful uh, blood sport debate. It's where they take away everything that is good and wholesome about an argument, throw that in the garbage, and then just have just on out, like, just, like, arguments. And just like, yep, ad hominems, just let it come. Come on, let's let, let it happen. It's, um, it is disgusting to, you know, when it was very popular uh, to watch. I did watch it because it was like a slow train wreck. But, you know, it was interesting for a time. But so, variety, right? They understand. They're not, they're not ignorant of the whole process of you going out to California to do the shows, right? They're not, they're, they're, they cannot be ignorant of it. You know, yeah, because all these a lot of these different people are in this small little area out in California. So you just start booking shows on this other ice skew because you're not going to get on anything else. Right. So it's not a network that form it, that network formed just because that's the network that I'll accept them and let them on with a microphone to speak to. You yeah. know, they would do the exact same thing. People do the exact same thing to other universe and just, you know, completely disregard some other media outlets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Elon. Yeah, oh, sorry, reading the chat. Yeah, Elon Musk was on there too. That V times T, which leads to Twitch, which walls on Twitch. <gasps> <laughs> well, you know, some of this is is these people that are considered you know far right, and some of them I think are abhorrent people and have terrible views, and some of them are more closer like to the mainstream, Lor- like Lauren Southern, for instance. I don't think I don't think these like Richard Spencer's clearly, you know. Somebody who I w- I have watched a couple times, and I'm like, "There's you're clearly a white supremacist." Yeah, there's there's no clearly. question about you know, it. And- but like Gavin McInnes is a provocateur who says things that are mm-hmm. are prov- provocative towards the predominant culture. Correct. In in a way that pr- maybe he believes it, but at the same time he's trying to get people to think about things in a different way. And you go. Uh, you know, or Paul Joseph Watson, who's just devastatingly effective at putting in a seven-minute video all the ways that the left is wrong about things. Mm-hmm. And you go and fact-check these guys, and you go, eh, they, their facts are mostly right. They're just presenting it in a way that I don't, I, I wouldn't present it. It's mm-hmm. um, or Lauren Southern, who I think has grossly misrepresented what's going on in South Africa, for instance. You know, like it, it's you. You have to just be careful with the information that you bring into your mind. Like you have to look at these people and go, um, I, I don't know. For for people on the left, for, if you if you're hunting heretics, if you watch a Paul Joseph Watson video, you're a heretic. It doesn't matter if you agree with it. It doesn't matter if you disagreed with what you saw. But the fact that you ever clicked on the link to engage in the content means that you are bad. Exactly. Yeah. Or if you're if you're a libertarian, then you interview a guy like you know one of these guys that are not libertarian, but they're outside the mainstream. Right. They have mm-hmm. critics of the mainstream, so you want to kind of see if there's any common ground. Right. Like Dave Smith, had, you know, had a problem where he interviewed Richard Spencer and Chris Cantwell, and I mean they disagreed on almost everything. 
But you know, and and, and you you got to sort of realize and where what their differences are. But the the thing is, the mainstream will paint them all in the same light. Yeah. So it is important, I think, for libertarians or to have to talk to some of these people to illustrate the differences. And of course, yeah. with the with the what the objection is, well, you didn't go hard enough against them. You didn't, you didn't you know, call them right. this and call them that. And it's like when you're having, having a conversation with someone face to face or just or, over, over the phone or whatnot, just have a, to it's, see where they're coming from and what views that they really have, not what's been skewed through this or what's been taken out of context. And a lot of times, just hearing them talk uninterrupted mm-hmm. is like, this guy believes that? That's Pe- ridiculous. People, or stupid. Or people just, were mad. I mean, people were mad that Rogan. That a Jack Dorsey went on Joe Rogan because he's Joe Rogan, yeah. and people were mad at Joe Rogan because I don't know why. Like you, you saw media members. Tim Pool basically said, "Like I know I'm going to get media members," and then I saw a meme where it was like this blue checkmark media member saying alt right figure Tim Pool. Uh, it just was insane. Like the amount of people after that or during that on Twitter that. I follow a lot of blue checkmark journalists who work in D.C. or New York or, or, you know, just kind of like that's kind of who I follow or conservative people or, or mainstream journalists. It was amazing to me to see how many journalists were mad that Jack Dorsey was having that conversation with Tim Pool and Joe Rogan. And, and it's because I was allowed to hear for three and a half hours nuance. Correct. Yeah, you, and you can't have no nuance. Filter. You can't have you, you can't uh, you know, be a human for someone. You can't think about right. from their point of view and realize this guy he's wrong. I don't like what he says, but I can see where he's coming from. I can see where he's kind of wrong. I can see where he's a human. Right. And okay, mm-hmm. maybe he's not the worst guy on the planet. You know, I can listen to him and I can come to my own conclusion. It goes back to critical theory. Mm-hmm. I couldn't reinterpret this event for you, and I'm mad that you can just see it unfiltered. And so the, what, what a lot of these journalists don't realize is that they went to the Columbia Journalism School, they, they took the postmodern Kool-Aid, a, mm-hmm. and they think about things that they are the ones who should be the gatekeepers of the content. And I'm sorry, like, you can listen to me, and, and you can agree with me or disagree with me. Like, I'm amazed when I hear people that write in that disagree with me because I'm so right all the time. But mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm also mo- I'm mostly dumbfounded when i see people following me or listening to the show that don't agree with me and i really love that because it shows that they're not willing like i respect that person more than i respect somebody who just blindly does whatever i like i like if you just whatever tom wood says is right or whatever ron paul says is right or whatever sean hannity says is right or whatever aoc says is right like I respect those people less than the people. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, like my friend Doug, who disagrees with me all the time, but engages and reads and tries to understand what I'm saying. He just doesn't agree. Like to me, I really do respect that. It annoys me sometimes, but you go, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know what? I think one of the biggest problems a lot of these journalists have they 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 honestly believe the average person is dumb and the average right. person is very easily led and very susceptible. So they think. If, if if this average person hears this horrible white nationalist say something, they're going to all of a sudden turn into white nationalist instead of like the like right. what happens to ninety eight percent of people is this guy's an idiot, he's a moron. Like who who would even believe this? Like this is not even fe- none of this makes sense. I mean, 
So, but they 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 have such a low opinion of the average American, mm-hmm. and they think, well, they're like you know that's why you said they're the gatekeepers. They have to make sure that they convey the proper message to us, mm-hmm. you know, uh, lesser uh, you know humans. Yeah. And we, we have to be led in a certain way. Otherwise, we're just going to go and become terrible people somehow. And that's not, right. that's not true at all. Because yeah. they really think that we're just all knuckle-dragging yeah. idiots. Correct, yes. That we can't think for ourselves. Yeah, especially when you leave, like, the coast and you come out here to the Midwest. It's like, oh, these people again. You know, there's no one out yeah. here that's highly intelligent. It, it, is the, it is the mindset of the heretic hunter. Mm-hmm. Like, and libertarians have this, too. The, you run into those libertarians who, like... I, if I explain it to you enough, mm-hmm. or if I explain it to you over and over, you'll get it. And then you'll agree with me. And there's never, like like you see with, with Dorsey in that. He goes, I understand what you're saying. I don't agree with you. <laughs> and Tim Poole goes, fair enough. Like, you can, like, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what it is about our society right now, but we think that everybody has to agree with us. Like, yeah. and maybe it's the vanity of the age that we want that validation. We want to be, we want our own little group of followers. But like it, it, it like you, you, th- like with anarchism, for instance, I'm pretty close. But there are certain things that it doesn't matter if Walter Block <laughs> explained it to me. I, I just don't think I agree. You know what I mean? Like. What if my private court doesn't agree with your private court or I'm I, I just I'm not going to recognize your legitimacy like <laughs> I can't get past that. I'm sorry. Like, you know, like there's little things like that that I go. I mean, within a geographical boundary, there's going to be have have to be a centralization of force. Like you can't have one neighbor having one court. And, you know what I mean? Like there has to be some framework to it. And I just I run into these people who are who are anarcho capitalists who are pretty much cult members trying to get me to join the cult just relent mm-hmm. say you agree with me put a black and yellow sticker on your profile picture like uh, i could do that but it almost feels to me like giving in like I, I don't know i just i get annoyed with the people who think that if you just explain something hard enough <laughs> That I'm going to agree with you, and that's what it feels like with people when it when it comes to intersectional politics. Mm-hmm. Like if you just understand the the worldview of a black trans Asian hard enough, you're going to agree with them. It's like, but I might not. <laughs> like, and <laughs> I might. I'm an empathetic person, but there are other people who just aren't going to. And like. So why do you need to make them submit? And that mm-hmm. is really what it's all about. Hundred percent. Yeah, like, like you said, it's all about the submission. It's about it's about creating different classes of people. I'm in, you know, I'm the class of knowledge. I'm the class that knows the right. You're the class that follows me and whatever I say. And if you don't submit to even the most you know ridiculous things on the planet, that might end up being true in the long run, and you might eventually get there. But if you don't get the right this second with exactly what I'm saying in this exact scenario, mm-hmm. you're a terrible person. And yeah. now that just drives you away because no one thinks they're a terrible person. So right. now you're calling me terrible. Then I don't want to go along with what you're saying, even if it ends up being right. you know something that is true and right and positive. So now you have that division. And I think we should just be respect other people if they don't believe the things we believe in as long as they're letting us believe what we want to believe and they're letting us live our lives and they're not trying to interrupt and butt in with us. Hey, there's nothing wrong. I mean, I go to the grocery store 
hundred people are there, all of them a different religion, different nationality, different age, different everything, and yet somehow we all get along. It's just, right. Just, I mean, and you know, there's gun owners there. There's probably a half dozen, two dozen guns there. No one's getting shot. No one really knows or cares, and we're just all getting along. And, and it just, just it's, we go to the mall, same thing. So and I think part of what happens online is we don't. We lose sight of the real world, and when you get face-to-face with people, we're all generally pretty good people. Sometimes I, I do kind of you know, want to have do violence when I'm behind the person <laughs> in the line that's, one, paying by check in 2019, two, the extreme couponer who brings out the binder. Mm-hmm. Well, see, that's like, your fault, Harry. You have to look ahead and look at the people ahead of you like, hmm, 98-year-old lady with the perm? I'm going to go in a different line because she's pulling that checkbook out. And just, <laughs> I'm going to go the line behind the single guy. <laughs> she's real quick, no talk, no chit-chat. Right. He's going to just pay and go about his way. Yeah. So I, I blame you, Harry. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, man, this, oh, man, the, the extreme couponers are the, sometimes the worst. I think the only time I was happy with what is that – they felt bad because they were holding me up and gave me some coupons. <laughs> well, there you and go. Then, like, nice. I took like $50 off my bill. I was just sitting there like, what? I'll take 50 bucks off my I bill know. for 20 minutes. I know. Hold up. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still got that soap. Still have leftover soap. I had to go back and go get more soap. <laughs> Sorry. You have to max out. You have to max mm-hmm. out. <laughs> yep. I, I, can, I, get the, I get it. I used to uh, follow uh, Shannon Morse uh, from um, Hack5. She's a stream couponer. It's some cool stuff. Sorry. I want to kind of, uh, I, I want to end, and I don't know if, have we played the Tim Cook thing from the ADL on the on the show? I feel like we might have, but it, it's a good refresher. It doesn't ring a bell to me. It's about four minutes long, but uh, I think if you hear this, you hear the way that S- S- Silicon Valley thinks about itself. They're, they're building a world. They're building a better world. Hmm. And so he's speaking to the um, the Anti-Defamation League. A left-wing and partisan Democrat outfit that postures as an anti-Semitism group. Uh, Now, I have heard it postulated uh, when I heard this clip originally uh, on the No Agenda show. They said, you know, I think the reason that 25 outlets banned Alex Jones within one day was because they want to please Apple. Hmm. Because the... Apple Podcast Space, the Apple Store for for uh, apps. Patreon doesn't really like that guy believes in free speech, but he doesn't want to piss off Mastercard and he doesn't want to piss off mm-hmm. Apple mm-hmm. and his apps, his his mobile app because that's that's like where like eighty percent of our listeners are listening on an Apple Podcast device right now. They're not listening on Downcast. You know, which is just an independent guy out there, or Todd Moore's Playapod, mm. who is who has been on the program and supports not only us but free speech totally. You know, they're they're on the Apple Podcast app, and so I would think about switching to Playapod or to a Downcast or you know, I mean, <laughs> Beyond Pod uh, on um, Android. I don't yeah. know what you people do. <laughs> Um, uh, we do it correctly. We get RSS feeds, and uh, we try to. Yeah, well, Google wants to transcribe every uh, single podcast uh, in existence. Yeah, good so, luck. Wow. Yeah. Also, speaking of RSS, uh, rest in peace, um, Aaron Swartz. Um, uh, it's been what is it? How long is it? I want to say it's five years yeah. since. Yeah. So screw copyright protections. Rest in peace. Aaron. So when you hear this, you hear 
Fahrenheit 9-11. You, hear, you just Fahrenheit hear... 451. 451, thank you. Fahrenheit 9-11 was the uh, fat guy with the hat. Who oh, that's made right, the, yep. The, who made the documentary. So just listen to the way that this guy thinks and imagine that everybody in uh, the Valley wants to be on his platform. And so we... This is Apple CEO Tim Cook. ...try to stay rooted and to keep our devices connected to the humanity that makes us, us. We do that in many ways. One of the most important is how we honor a teaching that can be found in Judaism, but is shared across all faiths and traditions. It's a lesson that was carried forward by the late Eli Wiesel. May his memory be a blessing. It's a lesson put into practice by America's Muslim community who raised thousands for the victims of the Tree of Life killings. Lo ta'amod al-dam re'eka. Do not be indifferent to the bloodshed of your fellow man. Do not be indifferent. This mandate moves us to speak up for immigrants and for, for those who seek opportunity in the United States. We do it not only because their individual dignity, creativity, and ingenuity have the power to make this country an even better place, but because our own humanity commands us to welcome those who need, need welcome. It moves us to speak up for the LGBTQ community, for those whose differences can make them a target for violence and scorn. We do so not only because these unique and uncommon perspectives can open our eyes to new ways of thinking, but because our own dignity moves us to see the dignity in others. Perhaps most importantly, it drives us not to be bystanders bystanders as hate tries to make its headquarters in the digital world. At Apple, we believe that technology needs to have a clear point of view on this challenge. There is no time to get tied up in knots. That's why we only have one message for those who seek to push hate, division, and violence. You have no place on our platforms. You have no home here. From the earliest days of iTunes to Apple Music today, we have always prohibited music with a message of white supremacy. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. And as we showed this year, we won't give a platform to violent conspiracy theorists on the App Store. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. My friends, if we can't be clear on moral questions like these, then we've got big problems. At Apple, we are not afraid to say that our values drive our curation decisions. And why should we be? Doing what's right 
creating experiences free from violence and hate, experiences that empower creativity and new ideas, is what our customers want us to do. Technology should be about human potential. It should be about optimism. And we believe the future should belong to those who use technology to build a better, more inclusive, and more hopeful world. So that's kind of the the meat of it. Um, Impressions of that? You know, it's hard to argue with it. I mean, no one wants to associate with certain people, and that's and that's okay. And right. I'm sure 99% of his customers probably agree with that, and, and he's a business. You know, I'm just wondering who is going to define, though, what is hate, and how is this, you know, how is this coming about? Well, who is a violent conspiracy theorist? Who, who's violent? Yeah, exactly. Now, who's going to... Frankly, Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. but he's not violent, and he's not what no. was just, like... And that sort of what is what strikes me is that he is relying on news reports mm-hmm. that are wildly taken out of context, and that's what's maddening about all this. It's the Oliver Darcy's. It's like that that article with this fake. You know, if if a right wing think tank had come up with the same network of the left YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The newsroom would roll their eyes so hard, and that's not a credible, valid source, but somehow... Yeah. And you when, can find the same crap, by the way. This, this lefty talked to this one who advocates for genocide of this right. group because yeah. of the, they have money. Right. And it's Discover it's, the Networks is an yeah. actual site. You know, but my point being is like the news has the, the bias mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. group, and so it gets printed. And so, yeah, that's really what it comes down to is if racial supremacy is wrong then are you going to police that for only white supremacy, for all supremacy? Like, are you going to... Uh, it, 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 you, in that conversation with Jack, you see the messiness of mm-hmm. it all. You know, I agree with you. I don't think anybody disagrees with what he said, and he has every right to not host Alex Jones on his platform. But it's like, if you're going to make the decision to be the arbiter of what is hate or what is not... I think they should be more responsible with the information they're using. Like, sit down and watch a couple hours of the guy at least, you right. know? Like, yeah. you know, I think it, cause, and that's what people like us have done, why we roll our eyes. It's like, I don't agree with Alex Jones, but I've watched Alex Jones. So mm-hmm. I'm an informed consumer of mm-hmm. content. I don't like Steven Crowder, I don't like watching his show. I don't find value in what he does. Yeah, I can't stand him personally. Right. But if somebody else does, who am I to tell them? I am a grown man, and they're a grown person, and it's not for me to say, I'm sorry, you don't get to think these things, or you don't get to consume this content and maybe be challenged by it or challenge it. You know, I, I just I just think it's so amazing that somebody has such a messiah complex that they think they should be the arbiter of what other adults get to consume. You know, you're a platform. You're a tool. Mm-hmm. Or you're an editor, you know, and and I just think we've been sold these platforms as as tools, mm-hmm. and they're not acting in that way, and they're not acting with full information, and they're not acting, they're acting for the benefit of their own vanity instead of truth, or I think they're just kind of violating their responsibility to be good citizens because they're not actually, like... Fly Alex Jones, you know what that's going to do. 
fly Alex Jones in and have a conversation with him. Hmm. Right. What harm would, you know, like, yeah, I wanted to meet the guy. I want to have a conversation with him. Like, what would be the problem with that? The problem is the media. It's the blue check marks. These are the people running our world right now. Like, Jack Dorsey goes and meets with Joe Rogan, and it's a problem. It's a problem for the, blo- the blog roles. Yeah. Like, it's amazing to me. Yeah. Well, they're all going to have a problem. Yeah. And it's, yeah, because, yeah. They're jihadists. That's really what it comes down to. They're, they're jihadists. It's the jihadist attitude. You're either a Western, you have a Western, and a Western attitude of, mm-hmm. I'm going to consume the liberal arts. I'm going to consume the vast array of knowledge. I'm going to, mm-hmm. knowledge, gathering knowledge is a way of life. Or, I know the truth, and you must submit to my truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it goes back to that they don't trust the average person with right. freedom, with the, with the ability to listen to different points of views, and then make a decision based on their own critical thinking. And, yeah. and I think that's that's just the biggest problem with a lot of these these you know tech giants, a lot of these people in, in, in colleges that are sort of in these positions, is they just have such a low opinion of the average person. And maybe I'm optimistic, but I, I mean, I've met people from every walk of life. I've been in sales for over a decade from before my dad career and, you know, in, in a metropolitan Detroit area with every type of person you can meet. And, and what I learned from interacting with all these people was that we're all just the same. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, we're, and, and we're all intelligent and we all have different types of intelligence, but mm-hmm. it's very hard to, to like, just lead someone somewhere they don't already want to go right and you know people are, are for the most part critical thinkers you know and they're gonna and they're gonna be able to consume this information and and i think as long as there's no one in a position of power that's leading people down a certain way which is you know something i learned from uh from thaddeus russell he wrote a book the renegade history of the united states and he yeah. talked about a lot of these working class people throughout the history of the u.s they hung out with people of different races and different this and that, and, and, and people were integrated and they worked together and they, they went to bars together. And it was the elites, it was the politicians, it was the you know the, the people that were in charge that sort of drove that division because the last thing you want is to have 99% of people kind of all chummy and the people that got all the money and power look, you know, all of a sudden we're looking, wait a minute. Whereas if you can get the average person kind of, you know, fighting each other a little bit, they get to stay on top. I mean, yeah. look at how fast the United States went from being a segregated country to an integrated country. Like mm-hmm. it happened over two decades. Yeah, and if there was, if there look was like, gay rights, like yeah, the it, culture, the culture yeah. changed yeah. in a decade. It, it's, it's and because, then the government had to change. Yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. because, well, I, I, honestly, I think it's a little other way around. I think the government started changing a little bit and they started loosening up laws. Then people just were kind of like, "Yeah, the, what was the big deal?" Yeah. Colorado is on fire right now. Like Colorado. Is just such a mess after after uh, you know you know how like people the free movement of people kind of shows you where economic opportunity mm-hmm. is and mm-hmm. the less secure and safe a place is people don't travel there. I mean, uh, you know, I've had five friends in the last two years move to Colorado, and I've had multiple a dozen friends go and visit Colorado. Uh, so you know. Weed legalization clearly has has shown that uh, it's not it's not a, a, a dystopian future mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what's crazy to me. Like here in Indiana, we're debating le- marijuana legalization, and you go, uh, the state police think that 
unofficially every 100 car every 100th car coming from the michigan border where weed is now legal into indiana is full of weed hmm. probably yes yeah yeah. The official estimate is 250 cars, but yeah. it's probably 100. Um, it's just going to get worse. And, and yeah. we're losing out on that economic benefit, you know. Mm-hmm. But you look at Colorado and you go, it's so safe and mm-hmm. so secure and so attractive that young people are flocking to it, traveling to it. Mm-hmm. What, what, freedom, when freedom is tried, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, and Canada went legal, but they're messed up because they restricted so much on the growing and the district and the ability to distribute um, uh, weed. Right. So they've messed up, which Michigan messed up for a little bit. So it's getting a lot slightly better. Yeah, and it sucks that Indiana farmers, you know, they're not going to be able to get on that new cash crop. But all right, Mike. Final thoughts. No final thoughts. I think I made my points. All right. If people want to follow you on Twitter, how can they do that? Yeah, I'm on Twitter once in a while. I don't do a lot of posting nowadays, but just Mike Trant on Twitter. T-R-O-N-T. T-R-O-N-T. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harry? Uh, I listened to a podcast, and he once said, uh, listen to uh, Sovereign Tech, and he once said that the social networks are kind of like the lead pipes of the uh, Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. That we keep them and go around for vanity sec, but it is making us sick in the head. Mm. Mm. And the more and more I've been off most social networks and just watching people interact with it, I kind of like, I kind of get it. I get it more and more and more. Um, if you can, if you can get on it and you can manage it up fine, good, more power to you. You know, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna, you know, like poo poo someone for being on it all the time, but I enjoy technical sabbaticals. I'm, I love my technology. But I love just getting away from tech for 24 hours. It's a lot of fun. I recommend everyone try it. Especially now that it's warming up, warming up, mm-hmm. especially when it's warm up. Just put your phone, you know, you can, all right, keep your cell phone on it for safety reasons. But other than that, put it on silent, put it in your pocket, go for a walk. Don't touch your phone. Don't touch it. Don't touch Sundays, I leave my, I go to church and I leave my phone in the car or I go for a walk mm-hmm. and I'm away from it for an hour or you know, like I have a, uh, an older iPhone that I use as an iPod, mm-hmm. but I'm not checking social. I'm not looking at that, you know? Yeah. So I, I agree with you. And the other thing with the um, uh, the whole Facebook censorship thing, and that's another reason why that a lot of the social networks went from, went away from a lot of the federated code that they were using because then, the, you know, you couldn't get away from it. And then Jack also messaged like, yes, if everything was blocked on a blockchain, everything is permanent. You can't do this. And that's where technology is eventually going to go. Someone's going to set that up once they figure out how to make money from it. Someone's going to set this up and go do that. It's, I do appreciate that they were a little bit more forthcoming. I think they should in the future when they do go ban somebody. They should probably leave their page up and leave the post like we banned them because strike one, strike two, strike three, and kind of leave it up there like some sort of, you know, like tombstone of the account they just banned. So you're not just like wondering or they're not able to sit up there like, no, they just banned me for this. Yeah, I, for no, I didn't say, I didn't say I that. I didn't say that. Mm. And then it's like, boom, banned, boom. You know, I think that would do a lot to help kind of uh, dissuade a lot of the, the tensions and, mm-hmm. and, and the, the concerns about this and that. Correct. Yeah. Add some transparency. The yeah. other thing I think they should probably do, if they're listening, is that uh, of course they are. Uh, hire some people to do some of your security people. Move them to the Midwest. Hire some Midwesterners. Just hire some. 
normal people, normal middle of the road people, you know, and you will get, you know, get some completely different responses for different things. Nah, that thing, that thing's fine. That thing's fine. You know, go out in the middle of BFE, hire somebody. You'll find out they're really inexpensive, <laughs> especially from the group that you're buying. So. All right. Harry, any other final thoughts? Um, let's see here. Uh, no, no. Um, glad that you're not dead. Uh, Thank you. Uh, would have sucked if you died. Um, <sighs> Apparently, because none of you could have handled it. <laughs> uh, first off, could have handled it perfectly fine. I have set it up so that if I die, Mike, <laughs> it's going to be a mess. <laughs> nice. Things can continue, but very dysfunctionally. <laughs> Uh, I've given access to the wall feed for Hody. Mm-hmm. So Hody has access to the fireside where the podcasts are posted. Uh, I'm going to give Harry access to the hosting account. Uh, Jeremiah, every, every podcast host has access to their own stuff. Uh, only Stone has access to the Facebook and the Instagram. Our friend Melissa runs the Twitter. <laughs> uh, so it, it is a disparate kingdom of backups and not one other person Nice. Because of my own Nixonian paranoia. Well, it's like you're see, a third world dictator. If you get taken out, all these factions are going to fight each other. Right. And it's, it's going to be just... See. It's, like, uh, it's like Alexander the Great dies. you got the Ptolemies <laughs> over here. And you got, yeah. Yeah, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Let me tell you what really happens. I've already gotten my alliance with... Uh, CIA. With, with Reinhold and <laughs> Eskalja, Eskalja and James. We've already <laughs> um, filed um, DBAs. Uh, mm-hmm. So doing business as Chris Spangle. And we're just going to just go through and interact and just start taking things you, back. So he's he, got the government on his side, basically. He, no, <laughs> he's got the CIA on his side. status. That group is very weak compared, <laughs> compared very to the, the boss hog of liberty. Very strong. You, 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 very strong. I will appease him with microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Peace out the equipment. Yeah. Well, apparently you don't care about equipment because of the sound of the Loki wall. Reinhold and everyone sound great. Uh, it, but, it sounded great. I yeah. think I sounded great yeah, too. Paul, Paul has the, <laughs> Paul has the YouTube. Yeah, I've I've got a set uh, and and I've tried to give very little to Jeremiah just to give you a fair shot. Because Jeremiah, the boss hog of liberty, will swoop in and take whatever he can. We we've seen this. He homesteaded my board. <laughs> Sold it right out from under me without permission. Still hasn't given me the money for the board that he sold. Wow. He said, oh, it's an investment in Boss Hog. It's for the, it's for the network. Hmm. I'm going Thursday to see how much value I get out of them <laughs> being on my network. Because mm-hmm. 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 they're costing me money. I want to see what they're, what they're adding to my coffers. Yeah. yeah, bring the accountant, send some invoices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the, 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 they better at least be tithing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or you know, ten percent of their harvest. There you yeah. go. Yeah, or putting in for your hot tub because we got to get a hot tub too. I think so. I no hot tubs are gross. They're fecal soup. I will not get in a hot tub. What? what, what why? Because it's fecal soup. It's wash just, your butt before going in the hot tub. I will wash my butt. My okay. butt will be clean. Right. It's the fifteen other people that get in there who haven't washed their butt. That's How true. big is this hot tub? Well, if I'm gonna get a hot tub, it's gonna be big, right, Mike? You know <laughs> what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, all right. yeah you know, and, I got, I got, mm-hmm. I got bitches, and then install the bidet. I uh, big, I got a hot tub big enough for boats and hoes. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> uh, no, I really, but I was thinking about this. Like, if I really did die, uh, you know, because my friend Michelle came over that Saturday, and it was touch and go. Like, I was like, should I ask her to take me to the hospital? I, I thought about it the other day. I was like, 
not one person has access to everything. Just because people kind of go, you know, yeah, I'll take care of that. Like uh, Melissa's really good at tweeting, you know, but she doesn't. She doesn't get on Facebook. Stone gets on Facebook. You know, for Stone and Jake, they post stuff on Facebook. Hody does the dailies, so I'll give him the wall. <laughs> you know, and if I die, like Hody's taken over. Like I want you to understand this. <laughs> like you, you better be ready because Hody's ambitious. Like Hody and Hody's <laughs> ambitious, but nice. He's Mormon. So he's super nice. Right. But you don't, so you don't see him cutting your throat mm-hmm. while he's doing it. And he can do it because he has magic underwear. Yeah. He's like the guy in the trench coat. It's, you shoot yeah. that one first. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hody, Hody, uh, I've been, we've been so lucky to have Hody. And I, I hope you are enjoying his work. And uh, he and Sarah and, uh, and Reinhold and Paul and all the dailies that they're putting out. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm telling you right now, if I die, you better you better be ready. Cuz the boss hog angle and the hody angle, it's going to be it's going to be brutal. We'll be fine. It's not like in the Greg we'll days fine. where you had like an appointed successor. We'll be fine. Yeah. My group will be fine. He left the kingdom and he uh, formed his own kingdom. My group will be fine. I have the uh, um, highest performing live Lattis-Landia. I have the highest performing live <laughs> aspect of uh Wall. I listen. I'm rooting for 14 you. Fourteen listeners, right? Right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. Dozens, almost. Dozens. Almost. I'm I'm rooting for you, but mostly I'm rooting for <laughs> all of you to fight a lot because <laughs> that'll be fun for me from heaven. <laughs> uh, we should put up a poll in the group. Who Who would you like to see take over Wall after Spangle dies? And which of the three? Which of the three uh, princes of We Are Libertarians? Sorry. And and listen, there's the patrons too. The patrons mm-hmm. are a very powerful group. Mm-hmm. Who who will Craig? I mean, who will Craig and Christy and Christy have to talk Jason to and uh, Ed, intern Ed? That's, and that's a good point. Then the Libertarian Coalition—they're a whole coalition. If I somehow get the rights to Chris Spangle's dead body, then sell them <laughs> to Christy. And what if Jeremiah is smart and forms an alliance with Hody? Oh. Oh, See, no. there's a lot going on here. Go More on than my, I think you think. Mm. Mm, gotta watch out for what you're just like i'm the i'm the co-host i'm here every week i got this i don't know man i got this this. a little overconfident maybe Mm -hmm. it's not overconfidence i I think it's fear (laughs) yeah is is your are you telling us you're confident like you're telling us you're using himself yeah (laughs) i got this is this duck duck go confidence i got i got reinhold i got niece and escalja we got this but you don't have any of the passwords except for twitch Oh, I need his niece. Discord. Oh, that's true. I, need, oh, I, I, true. Have niece. I have the Hulk. Okay. Nobody has the... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give the login information to the website to my brother. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the family... Oh, this is going to be a whole court battle. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm really... F- <laughs> but see, I know, I know Jeremiah and Hody. See, I know that like the podcast will always exist. Mm-hmm. The face, the website. It's, you can let that go. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Nobody it's needs fun. the website. No. It's okay. Um, I'm just gonna franchise it out and sell it to Disney. A, a franchise might be good. Yeah, don't don't to, just sell it to Disney. You know, here's what I want. I want you to take over the Chris Spangle show. <laughs> 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 so so we have had this joke. Uh, so I used to do. I would come on and do the Jeff Vibbert podcast with Jeff Vibbert and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. 
And then Jeff went to work for someone who didn't want him to do the Jeff Herbert podcast anymore. Mm -hmm. And for perfectly valid reasons, but Mm -hmm. it it just kind of abruptly stopped. And so I always asked, I was always asking Jeff, and I still do, can Caitlin and I do the Jeff Herbert podcast? (laughs) Yeah. But you're not on it. Yeah. Because to me, that's the funniest thing ever. Like, I love Andy Kaufman, the comedian, and, or Borat. Like, you don't yeah. know what's real or what's not. Just like, never address the change right. at all. Just exactly. never bring it up. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a radio show, The Kid Chris was had The Kid Chris Show. Mm-hmm. And he died in a car accident. But The Kid Chris Show is still on in, like, Philadelphia and a bunch of cities. Like, yes. They, they, they just kept the name going. Mm-hmm. You know? I, it's always, yeah. So... So I always wanted to do the Jeff Ripper podcast without Jeff, but he wouldn't let us, so he didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. It would have been funnier, uh, speaking of local, like, inside baseball, like, when um, Abdul and Rob did the Chicks on the Right <laughs> show on Monday, it would have been funnier if they, instead of saying they were on vacation, just did the show, just came in <laughs> I, uh, and announced I'm Mark, I'm Daisy, Daisy yeah. and just went on with the show. Right. would have been gold. Well, if I die... You, you, if I die, here's what I want you to do. Uh-huh. I'm putting you in charge of this. Okay. Maya, mm-hmm. Greg, Joe, Gina, they all have to come back and do an episode each. Oh, no. Greg and Kat can do an episode. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Just really, and they can say whatever they want about me, whatever they really think. And Maya is Antifa now, so I know. Oh my gosh. I know what Maya thinks of me. I've heard through the grapevine. Mm. She blames me for a lot of stuff that mm. she did to herself. Oh, that would be, but that would be the great. Oh, mm. that'd be great. Please. <laughs> uh. Well, this has been fun. I'm glad to be back. It's, it's been great to be back with you. I had fun, too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate thanks, that. Thanks, Mike, and appreciate you taking time away from the kid and yeah. leaving the tired wife. And mm-hmm. yep. you know, you'll have to. She worked like 10 hours today and yeah. got mm-hmm. home and then took over the kid duty yep. while yep. So hang out with the fellas. You'll, uh, that was nice. Smartest thing you can do is go home and ask for sex. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, death, Harry. <laughs> sure, death. No, not necessarily. <laughs> Just back rub, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's a kept man, so you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. She gets I'm, I'm, the, I'm the trophy here. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's, that's right. You know. <laughs> quite the trophy. <laughs> yep. yeah, quite the trophy. We're, quite the trophy. Yeah, real erection you are. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on this episode of We Are Libertarians. We will see you uh, next Tuesday. This crew will uh, have some dailies. Hopefully this week uh, the crew got a little behind. Hody's been distracted uh, with the – he's putting together a debate series with all the candidates that he can find, and that's going to be really cool. Real, nobody else is going to do this, and nobody has ever done this. Like, it's monumental, so I really want you to support Hody and uh, the debate series that he's about to put out and share that stuff, put that out there, grab it from uh, from the Facebook, from the website and everything else. So please go and check that out. And uh, it's going to be great stuff coming uh, to you soon. Uh, but for me, I will see you next Tuesday. Uh, and uh, to Mike and to Harry, I say thank you. And to all of you, I say thank you as well. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday. <laughs>